Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's learning environments are designed for supportive networking and collaboration. With over 330 academic programs, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans... Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. Folks, Black Star Network is East. A real uh, revolutionary right now. Support this man, Black Media. He makes sure that our stories are told. I thank you for being the voice of Black America, Roland. Hey, Black, I love y'all. All momentum we have now, we have to keep this going. The video looks phenomenal. See, this difference between Black Star Network and Black-owned media and something like CNN. You can't be Black-owned media and be skate. It's time to be smart. Bring your eyeballs home. You dig? Uh, President Joe issues pardons to all 
medical marijuana possessions. We'll talk with Congressman Troy Carter of New Orleans, and also a cannabis advocate, to talk about does this put the United States on the path to decriminalizing marijuana on the federal level. Also on to a new video encouraging folks to register. The uh, talking on social media. Some folks say it is demanding to voters. We'll explain. Uh, explain but that is all. Also, two cases involving men who have been murdered by police while suffering a mental crisis in New York. A family received millions of dollars for the, their one, and a million was forty three seconds on. They will tell you about the details of plus felony charges are dropped uh, in the Flint, Michigan water crisis, and also in Mississippi, they're dealing with a water crisis. They're dealing with a trap crisis. The company handles the, the city says in two days they will start picking up trash. Their engine, folks, is in the funk. I'm Roland Martin Unfiltered on the network. Let's go. He's got it. Whatever the miss, he's on it. Whatever it is, he's got the scoop, the fact, the fine. And when it breaks, he's right on time. And it's rolling. Best believe he's knowing. Putting it down from sports to news to politics. With entertainment just for kicks, he's rolling. Another promise kept, another promise President Joe Biden. Today, the president announced that he was issuing pardons to everyone who was, who has been convicted of a simple marijuana possession. He's also encouraging governors across America to do the exact same thing. This has been one of the issues that was often talked about because now in the United States, you have a number of states that have decriminalized marijuana, and folks are out there making billions of dollars off of marijuana being number of individuals are still going to prison or still in prison as a result of marijuana convictions. In addition to uh, the pardon, he also is instructing the Secretary of Health and Human Services uh, to begin to review the classification of marijuana potentially could lead to the decriminalizing of marijuana on the federal level. We want to talk about this with Congressman Troy Carter out of New Orleans. Glad to have you on the show, Congressman. Um, and hey, we'll, Roland, we'll how are you, man? About this, but before, but before doing, before we do this video, the president Joe released uh, shortly after uh, they brief reporters on this uh, huge decision. As I said when I ran for president, no one should be in jail just for using or possessing marijuana. It's already legal in many states, and criminal records for marijuana possession have led to needless barriers to employment, to housing, to educational opportunities. And that's before you address the racial disparities around who suffers the consequences. While white and black and brown people use marijuana at similar rates, black and brown people are arrested, prosecuted, and convicted at disproportionately higher rates. So today, I'm taking three steps to end this failed approach. First, 
I'm announcing a pardon for all prior federal offense, federal offenses for the simple possession of marijuana. There are thousands of people who are convicted for marijuana possession who may be denied employment, housing, or educational opportunities as a result of that conviction. My pardon will remove this burden on them. Second, I'm calling on all governors to do the same for state marijuana possession offenses. Third, the federal government currently classifies marijuana as a Schedule I substance, the same as heroin and LSD, and more serious than fentanyl. It makes no sense. So I'm asking the Secretary of Health and Human Services and the Attorney General to initiate a process to review how marijuana is scheduled under federal law. Even as federal and local regulations of marijuana change, important limitations on trafficking, marketing, and underage sales should stay in place. Too many lives have been upended because of our failed approach to marijuana. It's time that we right these wrongs. Congressman Troy caught a lot of folks uh, have been talking about this uh, in the last three hours since the president made the decision. Uh, how significant is this uh, issuing pardons for everyone who has been convicted of simple marijuana possession? Roland, it's huge. Uh, we applaud the president for his action today. Uh, it goes a long way to demonstrating that marijuana, uh, while legal in some 38 states in our country, 38 states in our country, it's in some capacity is legalized. Yet we have thousands of Americans who are saddled with uh, blemishes on their record because of use or possession of marijuana. Uh, we know that prosecutions have been disproportionately uh, executed, that uh, communities of black and brown and yellow have been um, in the eye of the cone of the storm, if you will. Uh, this action will give people in America an opportunity to have that removed, to move forward with their lives. Uh, remember, these are nonviolent. These are not violent actors. These are people that had possession or use of, of small uh, amounts of marijuana. I think the president is doing the right thing. We met with the White House back in April to talk about this with senior staff uh, in the White House. We followed up with the creation of HRS 8557, which is my bipartisan bill to create a expungement program on the federal level and encouraged to join those states that have done it and those local communities that are likewise doing it. It's the right thing to do for all the right reasons, and I applaud the president for his action. Uh, this was one of the campaign promises he made, uh, and it also was an issue that was being championed by Vice President Kamala Harris uh, as well. Uh, it was the pressure of activists and others uh, who pushed the president uh, to actually do this. Uh, one of the areas, that, one of the things that we still are facing, you have folks like Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas uh, who insists that we uh, should be putting more people in prison as opposed to what's happening right now. And so you still have forces out there who want to lock people up. There are still individuals who are in prison on the state level, 10, 20, 30 years for simple marijuana possession, costing taxpayers thousands of dollars every year for literally low-level crimes. Well, I think what you have is you have people who make political hay out of these things, and they use this as scare tactics. Yes, we have a crime problem in America. We have a crime problem that needs to be addressed. But we don't need to continue to build jails and put people in jails for, for misdemeanors, for things that I'll go back and say again, that in 38 states in our union is legal in some shape or form. So for Tom Cotton or anybody else to try to make this a political football um, it's unfortunate, because if you look at the numbers, the numbers will clearly support that 
the beneficiaries of, of this executive order and hopefully the passage of HRS 8557 clearly will show you that black, white, Democrat, Republican, East, East, North, South, and West will benefit from this correction. And I call it a correction because we know that it has been disproportionately enforced. It has caused havoc in areas that um, of our community that have been underserved and over-policed. We don't want, by any means, to, to burden police officers with going after uh, these, these misdemeanors when they should be free. Those resources should be free to go after hardened criminals, carjackers, rapists, robbers, those people that are wreaking havoc on our communities, people that have misdemeanors for marijuana, uh, they're not in that category. And it's unfortunate that some will try to play that card. But I will tell you that I'm very proud that we have bipartisan support for both my CLIMB Act and um, the Expungement Act. Uh, my partner in Congress, uh, Representative Rodney Davis, who's a Republican, has joined me as the co-sponsor on the Expungement Act. We're hopeful that we will have a very large group of Republicans and Democrats to, to join with us as co-authors to, to send this to the Senate and hopefully to the president for a signature, because the executive order, while very important, and it's a huge step, an executive order can be reversed with the next president. We want to make sure that we memorialize right. this in law. The reality is here, by issuing the pardons, um, can't be reversed uh, by, uh, if, the, if the next president uh, is not democratic, that can't be reversed, but certainly no, the pardon the other can't. aspects of the executive order. Once you've gotten a pardon, you have the pardon. The problem that you have, there may be others out there that are similarly right. situated. We want to make sure that it's memorialized in law because that gives us the teeth to make sure that it, it does not become a political football. Often these things become political footballs and they become good fodder for uh, the political talking heads or for people who are trying to push uh, one end of the earth to the other end of the earth, and people should not be caught up in the politics de jour. Uh, absolutely. Congressman Troy Carter, we appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you, brother. Always good to be with you. Thank you, Roland. Uh, thank you. All right, folks, to put us in context, there are 37 states in the District of Columbia that have legalized medical marijuana. 19 states have legal adult use of marijuana. Missouri, Arkansas, North and South Dakota, and Maryland, they are going to be voting on recreational cannabis legalization on the ballot in November. Joining us right now is Dr. Shonda uh, Messiah, founder of the National Holistic Healing Center. Uh, and so, uh, Doc, glad to have you here. What do you make of this decision uh, by the president, this is obviously a significant one when you talk about uh, how 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 marijuana has become a major issue on the state and the local level in the past decade. Roland, this is such a victory for us today. This is such a civil rights movement as well as a health care movement now. You know, we haven't had the opportunity to really embark in what we think is social equity, an opportunity to be a part of the cannabis industry because we're black and brown. But this is the first time that the federal government has recognized the need to acknowledge us and all the different things that we have to bring forward. First of all, our freedom, the freedom to use medicine that helps our health care day to day. 
no one should be incarcerated for marijuana possession. And so today is a day to be celebrated and also to, again, acknowledge the Congressman Troy Carter's um, ability to foresee this months ago and said, well, hey, if we're going to have any type of freedom, we need our records clean. The next step is the expungement piece, where we can actually have these pardons removed from our, our records so that we can have gainful employment, so we can get grants in education, and also have housing that's equitable for all of us. On that particular point there, I mean, obviously, uh, the president is also encouraging governors uh, to take action. We've seen other states uh, move. We saw what happened in Illinois. Uh, You also have had DAs that have made moves. Uh, But the reality is there are people who are sitting in state prisons right now who have been there uh, for quite some time for simple marijuana possession. It is so true, and I am so proud of our president today because we need this movement to move forward in a larger way. The federal government will guide our following steps from the state level. So this call of action for the governors to now ensue in partnering partnering different simple marijuana charges is imperative so that we can now start emptying out our prisons and really evoking freedom for our people. And uh, what about the, the, uh, the, the directive he's given now to HHS and DOJ, uh, putting this on the path to potentially decriminalize marijuana on the federal level? Roland, you know, what's so important is that people in the past have tried to demonize cannabis to be very comparable to heroin or fentanyl or other opioid usage. As we know, cannabis is actually a therapy that can replace opioid usage. So now actually being able to deschedule cannabis and be able to have more research opportunities and to really investigate the fundamental properties of cannabis so patients can start to evoke really true health care is what is needed. And I believe in descheduling, and I believe that we now need the research that is possible to make this medicine accessible to all patients. All right. Uh, Doc, we sure appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Let's bring in our regular Thursday panel, Erica Savage, uh, founder of the Reframe Brain, Reese Colbert, Black Women, founder of Black Women Views, Dr. Greg Carr, Department of Afro-American Studies at Howard University. Glad to have all three of you here. Erica, since I'm in your home state of Georgia, I guess I'll start with you. Um, this is a uh, significant decision today by President Biden. Uh, it was one of his campaign promises, uh, and it certainly uh, is pleasing to those who've been advocating uh, for this move for quite some time. Absolutely, Roland, and I'm glad, as always, to have you in Georgia. Georgia. Um, You're definitely a frequent flyer there. One of the things I will say about President Biden's, uh, in terms of the decision that he made and uh, shared with the American people today, is when you're thinking about what the conversation has been of late, it has been specifically, particularly in the political realm, around Black men and Black man voters. And Reese's pointed out several times throughout her books, throughout um, she her sharing throughout her channel that, you know, though black women make up a lion's share of the Democratic base, 
um, right next to us is black men. And so when we look at the implication of having an ounce or less of marijuana, simple uh, possession of marijuana being a felony charge, um, that President Biden is essentially saying that those that that will be wiped away. You're talking about the ability to enter life very much so differently. And I think that as we head into the midterms, as we continue to have these conversations about um, misinformation, disinformation, the actual Im impacts of um, decisions like this by the Biden administration, have the layered conversations of the ripple effect of what it will not only do for that person, but for the family as well, the doors that will open up behind that, I think it will really help to really seat the conversation and how black men will be positive, positively impacted by this decision by the Biden-Harris administration. So uh, definitely in terms of you talked about, you know, state prisons, when you're thinking about folks who um, aren't able to vote, um, this will be a way for them to be able to regain their, their rights back if they're not able to vote. We are, again, talking about a decision that um, not only positive impacts black men, black and brown people, um, but people at large, because as it was already said, the rates of usage um, across all racial lines is pretty much equal. But, you know, we're going to talk about this later in the show uh, with regard to rap lyrics and then how, you know, there have been two black men have been granted new trials with the decision to throw out rap lyrics and things of this nature. This is another way to help de-weaponize what it means to be black in this country. And I think that it is something that should be celebrated and definitely something that should be in the conversation as we continue to talk about voting, the importance of voting, the importance of judges, the importance of having uh, right leadership and holding people to promises made that they have absolutely ensured that they kept and policies that right. um, were successful in the um, previous, not the previous, excuse me, the Obama administration, Obama-Biden. Rishi, this, this comes on the heels of the student loan uh, debt relief decision as well. Uh, and so for the people who say uh, the president and the vice president, they have not delivered, um, this is certainly one of those where they can't say that. Well, if they're saying that they haven't delivered, then they aren't paying attention. This also comes on the heels of over 168 other drug clemencies um, that uh, President Biden uh, granted earlier this year, a couple months ago, actually, these were more than simple possession charges for marijuana. These are more serious drug charges. And so to date, Vice, I mean, President Biden has done a lot more in terms of clemency and pardons than Trump did. And I just want to point out that Trump got unearned credit for criminal justice reform. And that was one of the things that several rappers in particular tried to tout in terms of uh, their support for Trump over Biden. When uh, Sessions, Attorney General Sessions came in, he took, he put, he, he implemented a war on um, legalization of marijuana. In fact, directing his attorneys to charge marijuana charges as harshly as possible and seek the lengthiest sentences possible, reversing the Obama-Biden administration policies. And so what we're seeing is we're seeing more progress towards a more equitable system. Most people in federal prison are not in there for simple possession charges, but that is the case throughout a lot of the country. And so this is really important. And then the last thing I just want to point out 
because I know people like to start off with the disinformation and and uh, Vice President Kamala Harris has been attacked, particularly over Brittany Griner and her uh, possession charges. And people have put out disinformation that Vice President Kamala Harris was somehow a zealot when it comes to possession. But in fact, Nikki Solis, who was a public defender the entire time of, uh, of Vice President Kamala Harris's tenure as DA, has stated that Vice President Kamala Harris did not charge simple possession marijuana charges. And if there was a simple possession charge, it was actually her being lenient and allowing a person who had who would have had a sales felony plead down to simple possession. So this, what's happening with the Biden administration, Biden-Harris administration, is a continuation of the kinds of advocacy, the kinds of leniency, and the kinds of innovation that, pre that Vice President Kamala Harris has long championed as a senator. She had the Moore Act. And so there are a lot of people that deserve credit for pushing President Biden. Obviously, he deserves credit for keeping a campaign promise. But I just want to make sure that people know that Vice President Kamala Harris is right there with him as the governing partner on this decision. Yeah, we think you always going to do that. So that's uh, no shock there. Uh, Greg Carr, <laughs> this also speaks to Greg. Uh, it, it, it speaks to the fundamental problems that we've had in this country when it, when, when it has come to this so-called war on drugs. It's been a war on black people. It's been a war on poor people. Uh, it's been a war on poor white people as well. Uh, and so it, it has been, it, it has been a failure and it doesn't go back to just the Nixon administration uh, in the early seventies. Uh, it goes back uh, even further. And so what you're now seeing is you're now seeing folks who are now who are speaking to how dealing with this, uh, our, our, our drug policy and how we treated people has been an abysmal failure in terms of just locking folks up, throwing the key away. Yes. I mean, well, I think it depends on how we define failure. Politically, it's been very successful. And as you say, this goes back over a century. You can go back to prohibition in the, in the 1920s. The, the idea of using demonization to win political points, score political points, the war on drugs has been very effective for the white nationalists as they have used that to engender fear. And certainly at the core of your book now, which I've read twice, brother, by the way, <laughs> excellent, excellent work. I mean, this white fear, you know, you've got to have a boogeyman, a boogeywoman, boogie people. And, you know, politicians are not our friends. But that having been said, we can make them do what we want. This is a victory today. Uh, a, a bright line has been drawn. And I don't, you know, campaign promises uh, aside and notwithstanding, we can't lose sight of the fact that we're a month away from the midterm elections and the Biden administration has taken another step to try to draw that bright line so that voters can see the clear choice. You mentioned student loans. For sure, they came out using the executive power. And you've seen the white nationalists now have filed about a half dozen lawsuits. Um, and you've seen the Biden administration begin to adjust the policy pronouncements to kind of shrink the number of people who are going to be eligible for those student loans. The last shrinkage was when it comes to third party lenders, private lenders holding debt. But that's because the white nationalists are going to try to call well, especially what, 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 what especially great the lawsuit in Wisconsin, where they literally are suggesting that the decision by Biden is specifically uh, to help black borrowers and, and no one else, which is, strange because I've literally seen tweets of a number of folks with student loans post, thank you, President Joe Biden, for me not having uh, have student loan debt. So this notion that somehow that decision only benefits black people, it's not. 
even 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 the judge is also um, you know it, again it, it it shows you again you know in terms of when something happens this whole notion that somehow it's only benefiting black people. Just look at the numbers. If you have 13 percent African Americans in this country, there's no way a policy like that is just for black people. That's just illogical. No question. But but I think you've struck Roland at the heart of what's going on here politically. This is, in addition to everything else, a political action. What do we mean by that? Uh, Mandela Barnes, perhaps this helps him if you see them attack that way in Wisconsin. Certainly in Indiana, I think it is, where they've threatened to tax uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the forgiveness of student debt. This draws a bright line. And of course, the Democratic Party has been chasing this fictional uh, black, this white voter, this white working class voter forever. But what Biden has done today is strike at the heart of federalism. Now, against gerrymandering, and we you talked about the Alabama case earlier this week, uh, you know, with gerrymandering. And, and But at the federal level, we know that in the year 2021, only 92 of about 20,000 convictions for simple possession were federal. Now, 6,500 people in the District of Columbia between 1992 and 2021 are quite happy today because they're about to be pardoned. But as Congressman Carter said, Congress will have to act. What is Biden doing? By calling those governors out, what he's doing is trying to frame this at the state level at a way that could be translated into political uh, political advantage. Because the poor whites have to understand, do you want your whiteness or your freedom? Do you want your whiteness or your ability to get a loan or go to school or, or to be able to have your record wiped? And this is something that only Congress can do on a permanent basis, as Congressman uh, Carter said. Right. Finally, when we think about this in, the, in that sense, then, a month out from the midterms, Joe Biden has taken another step to up the ante. There is a bright line here. And in that respect, politically, I think this is a master stroke. In that particular point there, I remember uh, watching um, Samuel Jarecki's documentary on the drug issue in this country and showing how the opioid crisis uh, has been impacting rural whites in Tennessee and Arkansas. And so we talk about uh, the criminalization of drugs. It is not just African-Americans. It's also impacting a lot of these poor whites in Arkansas, Georgia, Tennessee, places like that. Uh, and so uh, that's why today's decision is also uh, significant uh, as well. Uh, hold tight one second. Got to go to a break. We come back. We're going to talk about uh, this new commercial, this new video that's been put out by an advocacy group uh, that's got a lot of people upset, ticked off, mad. Uh, and so we're going to discuss that uh, next. We'll also, of course, uh, we'll uh, talk about also, of course, our, our Black and Mystic, which we always focus on. Also, a couple of cases in Michigan. A man shot nearly 40 times in third, in almost three seconds by cops there. And the family of another man who was killed having a mental breakdown. Uh, they're going to be receiving uh, several million dollars. We'll tell you more about that as well. Plus, uh, we'll be having a conversation here in Swainsboro, Georgia, about this year's election uh, with a panel of elected officials and others talking about what issues matter to voters here. Everything in Georgia is not about Atlanta, the metro area. It's also what's happening in rural Georgia as well. So with all of that on Roland Martin Unfiltered, don't forget, download the Black Star Network Apple phone, Android phone, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Xbox One, Samsung Samsung Smart TV. You can also support us, uh, Bring the Funk Fan Club. Check and money orders go to P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C. 20037-0196. Cash app is dollar sign. RM Unfiltered. PayPal is R. Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is 
are in my unfiltered sale is Roland at RolandSMartin.com, Roland at RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. And don't forget to get your my book, White Fear, How the Brown of America is Making White Folks Lose Their Minds, available in bookstores nationwide, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, IndieBound, uh, also bookshop. This book's a million target. You can also order from your favorite black bookstore. And of course, you can also download it on Audible as well. We'll be right back. When we invest in ourselves, our glow, our vision, our vibe, we all shine. Together, we are black beyond measure. It's about us. Let's go. We are in sunny South Dallas. The election is coming up. It's super important that folks know who they are voting for, but more importantly, what they are voting for. Y'all, we got the free shirts and free lunch right over here. Freedom is our birthright. No matter what we're up against, we're sending a message in Dallas and Texas and in the country. We won't black down. That's what this bus tour is all about. The housing cost is one of the most capitalized areas that we have found people who are marginalized that are brown and black. We are suffering the most, and I think that we have the biggest vote and the biggest impact in this election. I'm voting for affordable housing, for sure. We should not be paying the cost of a utility failure because our elected officials are too proud to say we need help. I know that we can bring out our people to vote. It's a part of our birthright. Right. It's a part of our heritage. And surely it's a part of our prison, a part of our future. That's right. That's what's up. And we won't black down. Forward that message to five friends, because in that message, it's got links to how to get registered, how to check your registration status. Like I said, 2.30, we'll start um, rendezvousing right here on this street. I am voting to let our voice be heard in the rural communities that, hey, we are people too. There are things that we need. Free shirts, free food, and lots of power. We are in Longview, Texas, where black voters matter, 365. Whatever type of oppression a white supremacist throws our way, we will not black down. We are in relentless pursuit of liberation of our people. Freedom is liberation for black bodies and black communities to make economic change through political power. Freedom is choice. We won't black down. 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 When we invest in ourselves, we're investing in what's next for all of us. Growing, creating, making moves that move us all forward. Together, we are black beyond measure. Hatred on the streets, a horrific scene. A white nationalist rally that descended into deadly violence. White people are losing their damn minds. 
as an angry pro-Trump mob storms the U.S. Capitol. We're about to see the rise of what I call white minority resistance. We have seen white folks in this country who simply cannot tolerate black folks voting. I think what we're seeing is the inevitable result of violent denial. This is part of American history. Every time that people of color have made progress, whether real or symbolic, there has been what Carol Anderson at Emory University calls white rage as a backlash. This is the rise of the Proud Boys and the Boogaloo Boys. America, there's going to be more of this. Here's all the Proud Boys, guys. This country is getting increasingly racist in its behaviors and its attitudes because of the fear of white people. The fear that they're taking our jobs, they're taking our resources, they're taking our women. This is white fear. going on. This is Tobias Trevelyan. Hey, I'm Amber Stevens-West. Yo, what up, y'all? This is Jay Ellis, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. All right, this video dropped the other day on social media. Let's just say some folks say genius. Others say um, it's awful. Roll it. <laughs> Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If 
if you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Check the back seat. Check the back seat. All right, come here. Check the back seat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the back seat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Hey everyone, this is Molly and Matt, and we're the hosts of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult, a podcast from Ruby Studio and iHeart Podcasts. It's a show dedicated to helping you figure out the trickiest parts of adulting. Like how to start planning for retirement, creating a healthy skincare routine, understanding when and how much to tip someone, and so much more. We're back with season two of the podcast, which means more opportunities to glow up and become a more responsible and better adult, one life lesson at a time. And let me just tell you, this show is just as much for us as it is for you. So let's figure this stuff out together. This season, we're going to talk about whether or not we're financially and emotionally ready for dog ownership. We're going to figure out the benefits of a high-yield savings account. And what exactly are the duties of being a member of the wedding party? All that, plus so much more. Let's learn about all of it and then some. Listen to Grown Up Stuff How to Adult on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Grown Up Stuff. Folks, that video is called No Voting, No Vucking, was created in partnership with BLK Dating App, a majority agency, an Atlanta-based company where Shaquille O'Neal is a founding partner. Now, a lot of people have assumed, because if you go to the end of that video, it takes you to We All Vote, uh, that that is the uh, group that founded by Michelle Obama, When We All Vote, uh, and that is not the case. Uh, I talked to them today, uh, and they said they provide the back in or allowing folks to partner with various groups where people can actually click through to check their voting status. Uh, and so that's one of the reasons why you see that on there. But the folks at uh, When We All Vote said they had nothing to do with uh, this spot. We're not involved in the creative. Uh, didn't, didn't even, they said they didn't do, do those do those type of videos and reach we, we we reached out to BLK's head of brand marketing Jonathan Kirkland and the folks at Majority Agency neither responded uh, to our request to appear on the show. Uh, Greg, I want to start with you. I've seen a lot of black men uh, on social media ticked off at this particular video. Uh, I saw people saying this is what the Democratic Party does to reach uh, black voters or black men. Then, of course, I had to explain to a couple of people that, first of all, this wasn't the Democratic Party that did the video. This, this was an actually a dating app that did the video. 
And this is one of those things that often happens when it reminds me of 2020 when a filmmaker partnered with several strippers in Atlanta and put out a video uh, encouraging folks to vote. And folks took offense to that as well, saying this is how the Democratic Party targets African-Americans. But that wasn't the party. It wasn't the DNC, DCCC, DSCC. These were individuals. We interviewed that filmmaker, who was a female filmmaker, on the show as to why they actually did it. Uh, and so, but but this also, but this is the thing that sort of happens when you see these videos and people associated with the party, associated with individuals or groups, not realizing that, frankly, anybody can do whatever video they want to do. Absolutely. Man, what I'm about to say, I'm going to say as a, an African person born and raised in Nashville, Tennessee, in the South, with a set of values and cultural grounding would probably be called respectable politics. That video <laughs> made me wince. It absolutely made me wince. But I'm also saying this as an African person who loves black people, who understands what's at stake. I really couldn't care less what people who would argue hard about respectability have to say if that's going to reach people. And here's the bottom line, as far as I'm concerned. Um, you know, back in the early uh, 20th century, late 19th century, 1899, Yasantiwa in what is now Ghana, the Queen Mother of Ejisu, challenged the men of Ashanti to fight against the British. And she said, if y'all not going on the battlefield tomorrow, fine. You stay here. But when we go out there and defeat the British, the women of Ashanti, when we come back, you are not welcome in our beds. As the story goes, they tell in Ghana, the entire Ashanti nation was out there the next day to start what became the Ashanti War. About 2,400 years ago, Aristophanes, a Greek playwright, wrote a play called Lysistrata. In that play, the women of Greece told the men that if you don't stop fighting each other, none of you are welcome in our beds. And finally, a few years ago, Nick Cannon and Wesley Snipes and Tiana of Paris and them made a black version of Lysistrata set in Chicago called Chirac, which made the exact same point. The sisters in this uh, remake of Lysistrata said, if y'all don't stop killing each other in Chicago, ain't none of y'all welcome in our beds. I don't give a damn what happens. If that's going to reach these cats to get them out to vote, let old man like me wince. Play that thing a million times, go out there and vote and overwhelm them. That's as far as I'm concerned. I mean, that's, that's all I got on it. Uh, the thing that's interesting, um, a lot of people, Reese, forget what, what Greg just described. That actually happened uh, also uh, in Liberia, uh, yes. where the women of that country said, all right, this war is going on too long. Y'all keep fighting. Nobody's having sex. <laughs> Very quickly. Uh, and, I mean, I mean, just, it's, and so, uh, you know, we've seen this actually happen uh, in other countries and so but it, but it's interesting you know again a lot of folks uh with with who who have been attacking uh the video and saying uh, it's wrong it's demeaning uh that's not how you actually should be reaching uh black men and the rest is here when you look at voting black women are the number one voting block for democratic party black men are actually number two so uh we, we were talking about something that's uh, significant here but the thing to go back to is you can't control what people, what videos that they make. I mean, they, whatever they make, we're living in a world where there are no gatekeepers. You can actually create something and all of a sudden look up and you have 5, 10 million, 20 million views that have nothing to do. They were never sanctioned by a party or a group. And yeah, Risha, I go mean, ahead. people need to just get over it. Everything ain't for everybody. Saucy Santana has a base. Trina has a base. 
I'm a material girl. My Chanel nine boots. All these things still jacking together now. I'm the truth. Hey, like it's for some hey. of us. If it ain't for you, it ain't for you. That's okay. I was just yeah. at Onyx last Wednesday. Missed my flight. <laughs> okay. But people go to strip clubs. People like Trina. People like Saucy. It ain't for you. That's okay. Everything ain't for me either. John Mellencamp ain't for me. Kurt Cobain ain't for me. Carrie Underwood ain't for me. If it ain't for you, that's okay. Respectability politics is it's all right. Okay? Because oh, no. I'll tell you what. A lot more people saw that than the people who saw Justice Katanji Brown-Jackson blow mm. up the spot on the 14th Amendment. A lot more people saw that than they'll see these press conferences, these fact sheets, these speeches, the debates that uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders didn't show up to with Chris Jones in Arkansas, that Rand Paul didn't show up to with uh, Charles Booker in Kentucky. A lot more people know gerrymandered this his kids in the mm-hmm. audience, so I've been told, so I ain't gonna say mm-hmm. it. But a lot more people talking about Trina and her gerrymandering line than the fact that yeah. Ron DeSantis gerrymandered two black districts out of mm-hmm. his state and said, who gonna check me, boo? And so... Yeah. If you want to have something to be mad about, let's look at the candidates. Because the candidates is giving you a whole lot more fodder than two rappers putting out a catchy tune. Doug Mastriano in Pennsylvania was wearing a Confederate uniform for faculty day. Blake oh. Masters down in Arizona said that we have inflation because too many black people have jobs at the Treasury Department. Ron DeSantis put somebody who was photographed in a KKK uniform over a predominantly black county. All right, I can go on down the list. Herschel Walker said, I apologize to black families because y'all don't have fathers in the home. So if we want to talk about how the parties view black people, let's talk about their politics, let's talk about their policies, let's talk about their candidates. If somebody wants to reach people the way that they want to reach people, that's on them. It's not for you and that's okay. And people always tell black celebrities, you need to use your platforms. And the key to using your platform is using it authentically to you. It's not going to appeal to everybody. I know I ain't for everybody. I'm sure people in the comments dragging me, talking about I know she would say that. Yes, I would say that because I'm multifaceted. I like to twerk and I like to vote. So this is right up my alley. Period. Period, sis. Let him know, Reese. Kick out of that line right there, Reese. (laughs) (laughs) Reese was. Listen. That's right, Reese. That's why y'all got to keep buying Reese and Roland's book. They keeping it real out here. I'm, I'm definitely with Greg and Reese on this one because, you know, we just had on um, your show, Roland, about a month ago, a uh, social media strategist that talked about how specific uh, demographics um, are only using content, that short form content, as a way of them engaging information, or that's their primary way, not only. That's their primary way of engaging information, talking about Gen Z and TikTok. So listen, when you have two people that have the appeal, um, that Saucy, Santana, Saucy Santana and Trina, Trina's also on Love in Miami, um, reality show, thinking about these things, people who may not have even been thinking about registration may go ahead and click to make sure that they are registered or if it's not too late for them to register to participate in the midterms. We heard bipartisan um, term. That was something that Trina dropped in her lyrics. And then already, um, Sis has already talked about how she talked about gerrymandering. So if these are new terms and terms that are accepted into the lexicon of folks who really don't pay attention, that 40% um, block of folks that don't vote, if it penetrates, um, no pun intended, uh, through that messaging, <laughs> then I think that we have a winner here. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, Erica. These campaigns. Yeah, it didn't go by heads. I remember all the time. Sherry Beasley, when she ran for Chief Justice of the Supreme Court in North Carolina in 2020, she lost by 400 votes. 400 mm. votes. Uh, and so, indeed, every vote does And actually, Common was actually in Atlanta today uh, campaigning and canvassing with Stacey Abrams. Uh, and so you do have a number of people who are out here and they're, and they're doing things in different ways. Go back to it. You can be somebody. But one, I've been I've several different people who've been saying, oh, this is how the party targets folks. It wasn't the party. This was a, literally, it is the, it was a, it's a dating app actually put this, and they were also the same people uh, who did the um, video Vax That Thing Up. And so you might remember that <laughs> video as well. Got to go to a break. We come back, our black and missing. We'll also talk about the two cases, uh, two black men uh, who, were, who were killed by cops who had a mental breakdown. And then uh, at the top of the hour, we'll begin our conversation here in Swainsboro, Georgia, talking about what are the issues they care about here. What matters, you have, of course, critical election all across the country, the midterm elections, but you have a U.S. Senate race taking place here in Georgia with incumbent Senator Raphael Warnock uh, against Herschel Walker. Then, of course, you have uh, the gubernatorial race, Stacey Abrams running again against uh, incumbent Brian Kemp, other races up and down the ballot. So we'll be talking about that right here on Roller Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Y'all ready? Okay. When we invest in ourselves, we're investing in what's next for all of us. Growing, creating, making moves that move us all forward. Together, we are Black Beyond Measure. On the next Get Wealthy Financial Therapy, what it is and why it may be exactly what you need. So when you think about financial therapy, what we're talking about is how do we learn to live with our money in a way that is congruent with our values, that we understand our emotions about money, we understand our beliefs and our behaviors. That's right here only on Black Star Network. When we invest in ourselves, our glow, our vision, our vibe, we all shine. Together, we are black beyond measure. It's about us. Let's go. We are in sunny South Dallas. The election is coming up. It's super important that folks know who they are voting for, but more importantly, what they are voting for. Y'all, we got the free shirts and free lunch right over Freedom is our birthright. No matter what we're up against, we're sending a message in Dallas, in Texas, and in the country. We won't black down. That's what this bus tour is all about. The housing cost is one of the most capitalized areas that we have found. People who are marginalized that are brown and black, we are suffering the most. And I think that we have the biggest vote and the biggest impact in this election. I'm voting for affordable housing, for sure. We should not be paying the cost of a utility failure because 
our elected officials are too proud to say, we need help. I know that we can bring out our people to vote. It's a part of our birthright. Right. It's a part of our heritage. And surely, it's a part of our prison, a part of our future. That's right. That's what's up. And we won't black down. Forward that message to five friends, because in that message, it's got links to how to get registered, how to check your registration status. Like I said, 2.30, we'll start um, rendezvousing right here on this street. I am voting to let our voice be heard in the rural communities that, hey, we are people too. There are things that we need. Free shirts, free food, and lots of power. We are in Longview, Texas, where black voters matter. 365. Whatever type of oppression a white supremacist throws our way, we will not black down. We are in relentless pursuit of liberation of our people. Freedom is liberation for black bodies and black communities to make economic change through political power. Freedom is choice. We won't black down. 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 Hi, I'm Gavin Houston. Hey, what's up, y'all? It's your boy Jacob Lattimore, and you're now watching Roland Martin right now. Eee. was last seen in Fargo, North Dakota on June 29th. The 16-year-old is 6 feet tall, weighs 140 pounds with black hair and brown eyes. Anyone with information about Tobias Walker should call the Fargo, North Dakota Police Department at 701-235-4493. 701-235-4493. Michigan police officers uh, shot Fired off 38 shots in three seconds, uh, killing a young black man amid a mental health crisis. 20-year-old Porter Burks, who suffered from schizophrenia, was having an episode on Sunday night when his family called for help. The Detroit police released seven minutes of body cam footage. It shows how a family member is describing the situation to officers. The police trying to reason with Porter to drop the knife he was carrying and the time the fatal shots were fired. Now, the video, of course, uh, we're about to show you uh, is triggering. Uh, and so if you don't want to see it, you can certainly, uh, uh, t now it's time to walk away. Uh, and, and so go ahead and play the video. Um, I'm, I'm going to speak over the video while it is playing. Now, folks, it's not clear how many of the 38 bullets hit Porter. Uh, Jeffrey Figer, the Burks family attorney, uh, he also said Porter would still be alive if Michigan uh, had the resources to care for its mentally ill. I'm going to play that in a second. Go ahead and roll the video. Um, th this is the thing that we, we keep talking about uh, on the show, um, Reese, Erica, and Greg. It reminds us of, the, of course, what happened in Rochester, uh, where uh, the city now is paying a family $12 million uh, for the death uh, of uh, Daniel Prude. He suffered a mental health crisis prompting his brother to call 911. Officers took had a brief interaction with him before they pushed him face down on the asphalt with one officer's knee on his back. Uh, and again, uh, he died. The city took responsibility uh, for it by with the settlement, but did not acknowledge any wrongdoing in his death. Uh, 
this is one of the greatest scares of a number of black parents, Erica, and that is calling police when a loved one is having a mental health episode, they end up dead. We've covered this. Uh, you had Kojima Powell in St. Louis. You had the young man in who was playing with a screwdriver and literally officers are showing up on the scene and firing shots uh, within seconds as opposed to dealing with someone who is having a breakdown. And same thing, of course, the Pamela Turner case in Baytown, Texas, where the trial has started this week where the officer there shot and killed her when she was having a, uh, a mental health episode. Yeah, Roland, um, and, you know, there's no other platform that covers at the level that Roland Martin Unfiltered does. One of the things that I want to mention is that, you know, this young man, Porter Rooks, was 20 years old, and I've been traveling um, a bit this month, um, this past month. September was a Suicide um, Awareness Month, and I had the privilege of talking to a lot of young people who um, had been in college for a year or so and just talking about from 2020 to 2021, um, specifically around depression, anxiety, and suicidal ideation. Suicide ideations remain flat, um, a particular um, study that I'm talking about of college students, but uh, depression. Um, there was a 22% increase in uh, depression and anxiety, a 10.1% increases. And some of the things that these young people were telling me, you're talking about young folks the same age as the late Porter, um, you're talking about they were traversing through not only uh, COVID, but just a number of depression, anxiety because of the way the world was operating, things that were happening at home. And so this is why we're continuing to see amongst young people a very significant uh, health, mental health crisis that definitely, you know, those specialists have continued to sound the alarms about even before COVID-19. So here we are with the police killing, assassinating another black body, and then doing something that we've seen all too familiar, which is handcuffing um, this person who is now transitioned. And then I read that they actually dumped his body by the hospital. So when you're talking about mental health, when you're talking about uh, human experience, and then you're talking about law enforcement, for someone, and I've been very honest and vulnerable about, uh, vulnerable about this, that has a suicide safety plan in place, I have that in place because I would not, especially during the very, very early parts of my brain injury, would not want to have, and this was, you know, a decision as well, would not want to have any part of law enforcement if I were to have um, a break, if I were to go into crisis, so to speak. I would want people that I trust people that have had some type of mental health first aid training, people who are not trigger happy, who are not state station um, assassins around me. So I think that as we continue to really talk about these things, realizing the impact that uh, it's having on people around us, um, also to understand that for folks that are listening to this, if you do have somebody who is in a mental health crisis and not saying not to there are other numbers that you can call as well. If you do have to call law enforcement, you know, do what, what needs to be done. But please make sure that, you know, all efforts are exhausted to get, um, unless having to get mental law enforcement, excuse me, involved. Because as we see here with this young 20-year-old man, um, the consequences continue to be lethal and uh, definitely send condolences to his family and hope that they 
absolutely get uh, what it is that enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet when you register with BetMGM. You can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Check the back seat. Check the back seat. All right, come here. Check the back seat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the backseat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Hey, everyone, this is Molly and Matt, and we're the hosts of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult, a podcast from Ruby Studio and iHeart Podcasts. It's a show dedicated to helping you figure out the trickiest parts of adulting. Like how to start planning for retirement, creating a healthy skincare routine, understanding when and how much to tip someone, and so much more. Here's a clip from an upcoming episode featuring the weekly home checks, Keyshawn Lane, that you won't want to miss a common mistake that a lot of people do. They use fabric softener when it's not so great for your clothes. Should we never be using fabric softener? No, you should not ever be using fabric softener. It leaves a deposit on our clothes, which is also left in the machine and also makes the clothes highly flammable. Wait, what? (laughs) Yes. What you want to do instead is just use a quarter cup of vinegar. And that'll make them softer? That'll make them softer. And if you wanted some kind of scent, you can use essential oils. Wow, wow, wow. Catch new episodes of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult every other Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Grown Up Stuff. They should get in terms of um, some responses for the way that law enforcement engaged Mr. Ruggs. Reese, you've had people who have criticized uh, defund the police. Those who advocate uh, for shifting of resources, they've talked about for mental 
illness. Uh, there have been mm-hmm. so many cases in this country where people literally are dead as a result of sending police officers to the scene to deal with mental health crisis. We also have the story, it was also in Rochester, uh, where uh, they put a bag over this uh, young man's hand and they, he was suffocated uh, as mm-hmm. a result. Uh, the reality is San Francisco, they made changes uh, to their policy there, shifting resources. And when they would get a mental health uh, call, they would send a mental health to the scene first and not police absolutely you know i i i mean i know that there is a, a an inclination for people to say you know black families stop calling the police when your um, family member is having a mental health episode but i think we can all agree that that is the last absolute last resort and so what we need to do as a society you know it's not going to be a more instant fix to fix these trigger happy ca- trigger happy cops who think they can just kill black people at will and get away with it. However, like you just mentioned in San Francisco, we can get more mental health resources to these places and try to offload some of the work that is going straight to the police to people who are trained professionals. But in addition to that, we need to make more investments in mental health, period. Um <clears throat> By the time somebody's having an episode, there are multiple steps and there are multiple times that somebody could have intervened if they had access to mental health resources. You're down in Georgia, um, Roland, and I believe you are too, Erica. In Georgia, 94% of the counties have a mental health shortage professional. Stacey Abrams is a person who wants to fix that. Brian Kemp is not. Raphael Warnock, who's running for Senate, has put forth several pieces of legislation to increase access to mental health. So as we look towards the um, the elections, we're not going to be able to solve policing with the, with the stroke of a pen, but we can at least make a lot more progress towards mental health if we keep in mind the policies and the people that are really pushing forward genuinely increasing mental health access. Not when a mass shooting happens and then the Republicans try to say, oh, well, it's mental health, but they don't do a doggone thing to get those accesses, um, those resources expanded. We can put the people in place that will do it now. And Greg, uh, it's very simple. You take Rochester. They just had a $12 million settlement. I wonder how much of this city budget goes to mental health services. I mean, and this is the thing. We're now seeing multi-million dollar settlements, settlements reaching in excess of a billion dollars. And so cities are spending money to settle police abuse cases. If folk rethink how we police in this country, we could be spending that money on mental health and of these type of, of crises and I keep telling people it's death you ain't coming mm-hmm. from that mm-hmm. that's exactly right Rona I mean we've seen different polities take different <laughs> acts. I mean for many years I lived in Philly right across the bridge from Philadelphia South Jersey is Camden Camden has had terrible uh, challenges uh, because of the collapsing economy of Camden, not because the people are somehow less than human with crime and those kind of things. Well, a new police chief came in and began to implement a transformational strategy, including neighborhood policing and getting out of the cars and walking around. And as a result, you saw the interactions with police improve. Now, these killers, this death squad, this assassination squad, these punk ass, these punk patterolers, excuse my French, these, these, uh, these less than men who uh, set out to execute well, we know that some of the body camera footage that has been released uh, was as a result of the crisis intervention officer who was trying to tell this young man to put the knife down. I mean, the man was brandishing a saber. 
So I mean, wait, no. It was a three and a half inch knife. He'd kill some tires. He'd kill some tires. You know, you can't reform that. So listen, folks hiring police, stop hiring these punks whose uh, manhood is in the fig- the trigger finger on their on their hands. Um, too bad this young brother was not Kyle Rittenhouse, who could walk around with an automatic weapon and go out murdering people and the police give him some water. It's very simple. You can't reform policing until you transform policing. This can't be reformed. And you're right, Roland. I mean, ultimately, that $12 million settlement in Rochester is going to come out of the, the pockets of taxpayers. And this settlement out of Detroit is going to come out of the pockets of taxpayers. That's not going to bring Quiana Wilson, her baby boy, back. I mean, looking at her, is how many times have we seen these distraught mothers and fathers with these looks of yeah. anguish on their face? It's not going to take them back. What's going to stop this is the police is going to stop killing black people when we stop them. When mm. we stop them. And, you know, if you don't want this to turn out you, into all you out- said there. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. You said that when you said transform, you say reform, you said transform. But yes, I sir. just have to keep reminding people again, when someone says they're gone, a check right. yeah. does not cut it. it. I don't yeah. care how much it is. I don't care if the settlement was $50 million. That That's right. It's still gone. And again, 20 years old, expectancy, uh, 74 years old. Brother had 50 plus years of life ahead of him uh, now gone. And so that's what uh, is so sad there. And so hopefully we'll see more mayors and city councils uh, realize they should be investing in mental health services. And that's a staggering number you gave, Reese. 94% uh, of, you say, of the counties here in Georgia? That's what you said? Counties. Mm-hmm. 94% of the counties yeah. have a mental health professional shortage. Yeah, and I was there when that collapse started. That started, yeah, that started back in like 06, 07. And it was bad just watching those behavioral health um, services collapse. All right, folks. Uh, we appreciate y'all joining us on the panel. Uh, we are going to take a break. We come back. We're going to have, start our discussion here in Swainsboro, Georgia, folks. We are here uh, on the ground, uh, Election Day, less than 40 days away. Early voting starts on October 17th. When we come back, going to talk about what are the issues folks care about here, what matters, and we'll, of course, uh, be looking at the Senate race, looking at the gubernatorial race, and talking about uh, those issues. You're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Download the on all platforms, Apple phone, Android phone, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Xbox One, uh, Samsung Smart TV. You can also, of course, join our Brina Funk fan club. Uh, check in money orders. Go to P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037-0196. Cash app, dollar sign, RM Unfiltered. PayPal, R. Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zell, rolling at rollinsmartin.com. Rolling at rollinmartinunfiltered.com. And, of course, my new book is Get It, White Fear, How the Browning of America is Making White Folks Lose Their Minds. Uh, we have been, of course, uh, I've been a media tour all across the country. The conversation, talking about about not this superficial media conversation of economic anxiety talking about what the real issue is and that is the loss of power and resources and so uh, again you know where to get that book on audible get it at a bookstore near you and we'll be in houston texas tomorrow with voters matter at texas southern university uh, looking forward to joining them five to seven locals will still be, will be broadcasting six to eight p.m eastern a number of candidates will be coming through there plus 
folks with the NAACP, Urban League, and many other organizations uh, talking about the importance of voting, but also the issues that matter uh, to voters there in Houston and Texas as well. And don't forget, I'll be in St. Louis on Sunday with the East St. Louis NAACP. More uh, on Tuesday uh, with a conversation with Dr. Walter Kimbrough uh, as well. So busy week. We'll be right back. When we invest in ourselves, we all shine. Together, we are black beyond measure. I've always said this, rather than to continue to fight for a fair piece of the pie and, and, and the equal slice of the pie, I want my hand on a knife that cuts the pie. And to that extent, who bakes the pie? And who, who puts it in? And that's one of the things that got me involved in going into politics in the first instance. I'm tired of people making decisions for me. Right. And mine. I want to be a part of that decision-making process. And luckily, it has paid off in terms of seeing the progress that many people in America have made, particularly the people of color. One thing bothers me now that we seem to be losing that. Right. By saying that we've got to be more concerned with other people than those people who were here. We built America. in ourselves we're investing in what's next for all of us growing creating making moves that move us all forward together we are black beyond measure hatred on the streets a horrific scene a white nationalist rally that descended into deadly violence white people are losing their damn minds an angry pro-Trump mob storms the U.S. Capitol. We're about to see the rise of what I call white minority resistance. We have seen white folks in this country who simply cannot tolerate black folks voting. I think what we're seeing is the inevitable result of violent denial. This is part of American history. Every time that people of color have made progress, whether real or symbolic, there has been what Carol Anderson at Emory University calls white rage as a backlash. This is the rise of the Proud Boys and the Boogaloo Boys. America, there's going to be more of this. Here's all the Proud Boys, guys. This country is getting increasingly racist in its behaviors and its attitudes because of the fear of white people. The fear that they're taking our jobs, they're taking our resources, they're taking our women. This is white fear. chair take your seat at the black tape with me dr greg carr here on the black star network every week we'll take a deeper dive into the world we're living in join the conversation only on the black star network it's about us Everybody we are in sunny south dallas the election is coming up it's super important that folks know who they are voting for but more importantly what they are voting for Y'all, we got the free shirts and free lunch right over here. Freedom is our birthright. No matter what we're up against, we're sending a message in Dallas and Texas and in the country. 
We won't back down. That's what this bus tour is all about. The housing cost is one of the most capitalized areas that we have found. People who are marginalized that are brown and black, we are suffering the most, and I think that we have the biggest vote and the biggest impact in this election. I'm voting for affordable housing, for sure. We should not be paying the cost of a utility failure because our elected officials are too proud to say we need help. I know that we can bring out our people to vote. It's a part of our birthrights, right. it's a part of our heritage, and surely it's a part of our prison, a part of our future. That's right, that's what's up. And we won't black down. Forward that message to five friends, because in that message, it's got links to how to get registered, how to check your registration status. Like I said, 2.30, we'll start um, rendezvousing right here on this street. I am voting to let our voice be heard in the rural communities that, hey, we are people too. There are things that we need. Free shirts, free food, and lots of power. We are in Longview, Texas, where black voters matter, 365. Whatever type of oppression a white supremacist throws our way, we will not black down. We are in relentless pursuit of liberation of our people. Freedom is liberation for black bodies and black communities to make economic change through political power. Freedom is choice. We won't black down. 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 When you talk about blackness and what happens in black culture, you're about covering these things that matter to us, uh, speaking to our issues and concerns. This is a genuine people-powered movement. There's a lot of stuff that we're not getting. You get it, and you spread the word. We wish to plead our own cause to long have others spoken for us. We cannot tell our own story if we can't pay for it. This is about uh, covering us. Invest in black-owned media. Your dollars matter. We don't have to keep asking them to cover our stuff. So please support us in what we do, folks. We want to hit 2,000 people, $50 this month, raise $100,000. We're behind 100000 so we want to hit that. Y'all money makes this possible. Checks and money orders go to P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037- 0196. The cash app is dollar sign RM Unfiltered. PayPal is R Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zelle is rolling at rollingsmartin.com. On a next A Balanced Life with me, Dr. Jackie. Staying balanced is tough enough with the normal day to day stuff going on. But what happens when we get the unexpected? It may come crashing down through a bad diagnosis for either you or a loved one. My son, he actually was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's um, lymphoma, and it came out of a very challenging time in my life. I had a lot going on with starting a new business. How to cope and even stay balanced when even the walls are crashing in. That's on the next A Balanced Life with me, Dr. Jackie, here at Black Star Network. Hey, I'm Arnaz J. Black TV does matter, dang it. Hey, what's up, y'all? It's your boy, Jacob Lattimore, and you're now watching Roland Martin right now. Stay woke.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. Hey everyone, this is Molly and Matt, and we're the hosts of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult, a podcast from Ruby Studio and iHeart Podcasts. It's a show dedicated to helping you figure out the trickiest parts of adulting. Like how to start planning for retirement, creating a healthy skincare routine, understanding when and how much to tip someone, and so much more. We're back with season two of the podcast, which means more opportunities to glow up and become a more responsible and better adult, one life lesson at a time. And let me just tell you, this show is just as much for us as it is for you. So let's figure this stuff out together. This season, we're going to talk about whether or not we're financially and emotionally ready for dog ownership. We're going to figure out the benefits of a high-yield savings account. And what exactly are the duties of being a member of the wedding party? All that, plus so much more. Let's learn about all of it and then some. Listen to Grown Up Stuff How to Adult on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Grown Up Stuff. Hey, it's Zuko and Kayla from The Wake Up Call. Enjoy your podcast, but when you're done, don't forget about us. We have a radio show. We try to bring a smile to your face every morning. We also talk to some of the hottest country stars of today, and we like to share some good news with That's What I Like. Because Lord knows that's hard to find. When you're done podcasting your podcast, listen to us at 92.3 WCOL. Set your preset on your radio right now, and don't forget you can listen to us online on the iHeartRadio app.
Octavius Foster, president of the Megan County Democratic Committee. Thank you and welcome to our event, The Urgency of Now. I'm only here to announce our MC, Ms. Janice, Janice Jackson. Y'all give it up for her. so happy to be with you all this evening. As introduced, I am Janice Allen Jackson. I am the host of the Local Matters podcast, which is available on Apple, SoundCloud, and Spotify, uh, based in Augusta, Georgia. And our purpose is to help people become more confident voters and more engaged citizens. So I am pleased to be a part of this program called The Urgency of Now. And of course, we welcome Mr. Roland Martin to uh, Southeast Georgia. Um, happy to have you in our state. Please give it up for him. We always, of course, want to get this off on the right foot, and the right foot is with prayer. So we are going to invite Delmas Mosley up to give us an opening prayer. Let us bow our heads. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask that thou will bless, guide, and direct this occasion. We ask you to give us knowledge, wisdom, and understanding in the direction in which we are to take. Bless each one that's under the sound of my voice. And we give you the praise for being here, and we thank you for it. In the name of thy Son, Jesus Christ, we pray, and the people of God say amen. Amen. Thank you for that. Uh, our very first speaker for this evening is someone who has been a guest on Local Matters, and she is Miss Alicia Thomas Searcy. She is with us this evening as a candidate for the Office of School Superintendent for the state of Georgia. Please give it up for Ms. Shirsi. Thank you. Good evening, uh, Southeast Georgia. How y'all doing? It is an honor to be here, Brother Roland Martin. It is an honor to stand on this stage with you and see you again. The last time we talked, I was on your show, and I was running to be the Democratic nominee for state school superintendent. And because of the great people in this room and all over the state of Georgia, we won the primary in a four-way race with no runoff and won all 159 counties in Georgia. So thank y'all. And to this esteemed panel, um, and my new friends, Pastor, um, I will not be long, but I, I uh, appreciate the opportunity to speak for just a few minutes. Uh, I appreciate the fact that I see so many young people here as well. A little bit about me, I am the first African-American elected to the Georgia House of Representatives from Cobb County. Amen? To the young people in the room, I got elected at the age of 22. Yes, so I'm saying that because I need you to know that we need leadership of all ages of all generations, and you deserve to have a seat at the table just like anybody else. I served 12 years, that was six terms, um, spent all of that time working on trying to improve our public education system, and then left politics because I hate politics. Um, Roland, people lie about you in politics. Um, they make up stuff, they tell rumors, and all I wanna do is help children. So I left politics, went back to school, um, got a master's degree, went through a couple of superintendent training programs, 
got some great results as a superintendent. Our elementary school had a 43 CCRPI score. That's the state index. That's a 43 out of 100. Uh, the middle school had a 65. Teacher retention rate was 25%. But when my team and I got in there using the skills and training that I had, we got that 43 to an 85. Thank you. That 65 to an 81, excuse me, and the teacher retention rate from 25% to 75%. Thank you. And so I'm sharing that with you because we have a school system that's not working. And we have a state school superintendent who's been in office for eight years, and I'm pretty sure he's been asleep the whole time. Because if you were awake, you would know that there are some serious issues in our schools, whether it's special education, whether it is the curriculum that we are learning or not, whether it's the dropout rate, you name it, we've got challenges. And when you are asleep at the wheel, that is not acceptable. And so I'm running for state school superintendent because we need a state school superintendent who cares, who shows up in Southeast Georgia, who understands that every child in every corner of the state deserves to have access to a high quality education. And you know, it got real serious for me on May 24th, the day that I won the primary, because that was also the day of the Uvalde shooting. And I will never forget that day because there were 19 children who went to school and never returned. And two teachers who were called to teach who never got to go back home. And so on May 25th, the next day, <clears throat> our 15-year-old uh, was trying to go to school when my husband and I were afraid to send her because like so many parents, we were just concerned, like what would happen? But we let her go to school and when she came back, we sat down at the kitchen table and asked, you know, how are you feeling? What are you thinking? And Layla said something to me that I'll never forget. She said, I'm a, we're talking about it, it's all over TikTok, but we know nobody's gonna do anything. And so when young people say, we don't think anybody's gonna do anything, we've gotta. And so I'm running for state school superintendent because I need Layla and the 1.7 million children in our state to know that you deserve to have a state school superintendent who will do something to keep you safe in school. I need educators and teachers in particular know that I see you. I understand the frustrations that you are having. I understand that you are overworked, overburdened, asked to take on every job except for being a teacher, and you deserve to have a state school superintendent who will do something about your burnout. And then finally, as I close, again, as I look at these young people, I think about the world that we live in and the world that it can be. But if you were to Google what schools look like in the 1800s, they look very similar to how they look today. And so why are we still trying to deliver this telegram education to a TikTok generation? Y'all feel me? And so we wonder why kids don't feel excited about school. It's because we have a state superintendent who's been asleep for a long time. And so voting starts on October 17th. And somebody told me that in Southeast Georgia, sometimes y'all don't go and vote. Is that true? Y'all gonna change that this election though. 
I believe that. Because when you look at the slate of candidates that we have, it's historic. We have the most qualified, the most exciting, the most talented candidates that we've seen in a very long time. And so it ought to fire you up about all the things that are happening in our communities and knowing that voting can change those things. And so join me, because it's now your turn to do something, and make sure you take 10, 15 people to the polls with you. Make sure you vote for my brother, Raphael Warnock. Let's send him back to the United States Senate. He makes me proud when I see him. Proud that he represents our state as the first black United States senator in this state. Make me the first black state school superintendent in this state. And so I thank you for this opportunity. Thanks to all of the organizers, Brother Keith, Brother Al, thank you all for what you are doing. Thank you, Roland, for being here, for putting Swainsboro on the map. That's why I appreciate you, brother, for all that you do, not just where you live, but all over the United States of America. We love you. We appreciate you. Thank you for what you're doing. Let's go make history, y'all. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. Uh, it is my next duty to invite, introduce our panelists. We have an esteemed group here, and we will start off the, with none other than my state senator, Mr. Harold Jones. He is a representative of the center, senator for uh, Georgia Senate District 22, which includes most of Augusta and Richmond County. Thank you very much for being with us today. Our next panelist is Mr. Keith McCant. He is with the Rural Political Operative Advocate. Thank you so much for being here. Next, we have veteran legislator, State Senator David Lucas. Thank you for making your way to Southeast Georgia. And finally, we have from the NAACP, Emanuel County Branch, Jonathan Hampton. Thank you very much. All right, let's get it. All right, so here's what we're going to do. First of all, we're not going to talk about why it's important to vote. We already know that, okay? People spend way too much time on that, that waste time. I believe one of the fundamental problems when we talk about why people don't vote, we don't talk about issues. What is it that they care about? So when it comes to this community, what's the dominant issue? What should people in this community be focused on when it comes to the issues uh, up and down the ballot, who they should be supporting for U.S. Senator, for Governor? What's the dominant issue? Uh, Jonathan Hampton, um, first of all, I want to just say thank you all for coming. Uh, to Swainsboro in Emanuel County, and thank you for being here and your interest in rural Georgia. Uh, in our communities, uh, because of where we are, there are a lot of grandmothers and a lot of grandfathers, aunts and uncles that are raising our children. And we have an expectation that our children will go to school, be successful, and come home and continue those same successes. However, we don't engage our elderly community who are actually raising these children. And so something along the lines of uh, Medicare expansion is one of the main things that we need to start talking about in our communities and community engagement with uh, our older population so that they can 
prepare our students at home for the same successes that they experience in the school. So you say Medicaid expansion, what has been the problem? What has been the block? Well, one of the things that when I think about Medicaid expansion, I think of uh, uh, when you think about being in an airplane, they say the first thing you need to do is put on the mask to save yourself. Well, with our fo uh, young folks that are going home to folks that are elderly folks, and, 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 and when I say elderly, we automatically think 65 and older. But what we're seeing in our communities is that grandmother and grandfather are now 55. And if we uh, expand that Medicaid to them, they're more likely to be able to be prepared mentally and physically, health-wise, to be able to serve our children. So expanding that Medicaid so that they can receive benefits as well helps in that instance. Now, we, of course, that was one of the one of the impetuses of the Affordable Care Act. We see other states, but some states accepted, some did not. A number of southern states did not. Yet, when you look at when you look at the health numbers, those same southern states uh, sit at the top when it comes to having fundamental problems with health. And so, it's sort of kind of crazy that you would have red states, southern states, not wanting to expand Medicaid to get their constituents healthier when they're sicker. I'm just saying it's kind of basic to me. And, and absolutely. I mean, the fact of the matter is, when you say what's been the block, it's been politics. I mean, the fact of the matter is, Republicans refuse to actually expand uh, Medicaid for the state of Georgia. Even as you said, it actually would get your constituents healthier, and it also actually stays save the state state money. But it actually fits. When you go back a long time ago, even during the New Deal, when Southern governors and Southern uh, senators refused to allow the New Deal money to come straight to the South unless it actually went through them. And the purpose of that was to make sure that, that certain segments would not be to participate in that. And quite frankly, the segment they were trying to keep out were African Americans. And so we've seen this kind of historical dynamic where you actually um, do not do for all your constituents to basically make sure that some do not actually advance. And so it is politics. When we start talking about why vote, we've already hit number one. Politics controls that, and that is something I, I'm convinced that we'd be able to change in the legislature. I think there actually may be some will to actually do that on some level now, but we actually have to make substantial changes, whether it's in legislation, definitely in the governor's house, without a doubt. There's a, there's a reality to politics uh, in that is especially in many of these southern states. The fact of the matter is, largely white voters vote Republican. Black voters, uh, black voters vote Democrat. Um, Reverend, Reverend William Barber with the Poor People's Campaign Repairs of the Breach. They talk about the fact that there are 140 million poor and low-income workers in this country, and the reality is the majority of them are white voters. And so uh, when he was in North Carolina, uh, when they started Moral Mondays, they started with 17 people, and he said he was at a parade, uh, and he said a redneck with a Confederate flag draped around his neck came up to him, but he had tears in his eyes, and he said, Reverend Barber, thank you for fighting for our hospitals. Because these same white conservative voters living in uh, rural areas, it hit them when their hospitals started shutting down when, when Republicans in North Carolina refused to accept Medicaid expansion dollars. And it hit them when they said, wait a minute, that's our hospital. They started dying because it was too far traveling to another hospital. And so what are, what are the conversations being like in this community in other areas getting folk who may, who may traditionally vote Republican to understand that that issue is one that impacts them, that aligns with what their concerns are, but doesn't align with their politics. Anyone can take that. 
the biggest the biggest problem is the politics. Uh, it was a policy decision by the governor, Nathan Deal, when he came in, that they would not accept Medicaid expansion. We have over 500,000 Georgians who have no insurance. Medicaid expansion would be just like the express card, American express card. When you go to the hospital, they're going to get some money. They might not get all of it, but they will get some money. That helps to keep the doors open. Uh, we just had a hospital in Atlanta that closed its doors. And now they, the governor, this governor gave $130 million to a greater hospital to try to take care of those patients who were going to that particular hospital in the metro Atlanta area. But we have problems everywhere else. It's all been in Georgia. Phoebe Putnam, they're losing about $12 million a day. They can't sustain that. There's no way that the state you has... You see, they're losing $12 million a day. Yeah. And they're losing... Cause I, look, I can see the government, county government. They're losing $12 million a day because... Because they take care of folks who have no means of paying. Right. So when people... First of all, the law says if someone comes in, they have to be treated. If, if they take help and funds. Right. Now, this is, again, what's crazy to me. The state's actually paying for that. That mean, I mean, taxpayers are footing the bill for that. So when you're rejecting Medicaid expansion, you literally are actually burdening Georgia taxpayers even more so because you refuse to accept the expansion funds. There's, there's no question about it. We're putting money in, but it's not coming to us. It's going to those states who accept it. Take Kentucky, for instance. That's where uh, Mitch McConnell's from. But they had, One of the sickest, brokest states in America. And, yeah, they had coal workers, miners, and everything. They had all kind of health problems. But they accepted Medicaid expansion. Because they elected a Democratic governor. Right. No, I'm, I'm, just I'm just stating the fact. I'm just stating the fact. Go ahead. And I think one of the things when you ask about how that dialogue is taking place, I think when you see... Um, Stacey Abrams and also um, Senator Warnock, they both have been very open as far as trying to take that dialogue beyond the African-American community to all communities who are affected by it. And I think especially Stacey Abrams has been very effective at doing that. They both have, but that has really been a mission that she's been on. And I think that's something that we all have to continue to do. And the heart of that also talks about government responsibility and that the government actually does have responsibility to all of its citizens. And so you almost have to change person's attitudes about that too. But I will say that I think that the party, and I think especially Stacey Abrams, especially Senator Warnock, they've done something a little bit different. They are actively pursuing that vote in a way that's different than normally Democrats have. A lot of times when you start talking about whether it's rural whites or, or, or more conservative, we talked about conservative principles and tried to make them think that we were sort of conservative. They were actually talking about principles that are going to affect their daily lives in Medicaid expansion. Is definitely well, I always, get a kick, I always get a kick out of folk who talk about, um, I don't want government in my life. It's a whole bunch of folk in Florida who were saying that until Hurricane Eon came in and destroyed. And, not, and, and now they mad saying the federal government moving too slow. Now, hold on. I, the last week, you didn't want to talk to them. But not moving too slow, and, and and that really is part to me part of the problem, uh, the, the the psych, just how how nuts I think a lot of people are, when they say I don't want government in my life, until I desperately need government in my life, 
And when I keep trying to argue, trying to explain to people, there is no aspect of anybody's life right now that government does not have a role in it. The day you born, the birth certificate is a government document. When you get vaccinated to go to school, that's a government document. When you get married, government document. Divorce, government document. When you die, that death certificate is a government document. And so it, it is amazing when people act as if that, oh, I don't want that. But And I'm not saying government is the answer to everything, but I understand, as you said, responsible government and the role it plays. And I think health is one of those roles. Now, see, now, one of the reasons why that we need Medicaid expansion, because in my hometown, Macon County, which, which is about um, two hours from here, we lost our hospital back in 2007. Okay. Ever since then, the county has gone down the drain. What I mean by that is jobs have closed. They have left the county. They have closed up. I was there at the time when the hospital closed down. Okay, so the hospital closed down. If somebody gets sick, how far do they have to go? You have to go to Americas, which is about the hospital down in Americas is built pretty much outside of the city, towards Lee, towards Lee County, Leesburg. So you're talking about from there to Leesburg, about 30, 35 miles. And then you go into Houston County. So, so if there's a health emergency, it's yeah, a problem. It's a problem. And if you go to Houston County nearby to Perry, the closest hospital, you're talking about 30 miles that way. So either way, you've got a ways to drive. So I'm just curious, I'm just curious. What is Kemp saying? about that. And I, I'm, I just, I'm, I'm just curious, again, what is the governor saying to residents in these areas who now have to travel 30, 35, 40, 45 miles to get to a hospital? He's not saying a thing because the thing about it is he can say, well, we can't afford Medicaid expansion because um, it costs too much. But you come out of Macon County, which is the third poorest county in the state, it may be number one now. Because too many people like myself, I moved my family out of there to Houston County. Now I'm in Bryan County because I knew that without a hospital there, it is hard to attract industry. And that's what we're lacking over there. I'm saying we're, I think I'm still living over there, but that's where they're lacking. And that's why we need a governor in there who's going to uh, roll up his or her sleeves and give us Medicaid expansion. I don't understand why the opposition towards that because it'll help the ones who need it the most. And Southwest Georgia needs it more than anybody. Not saying just South, Southwest Georgia, but in the, across rural Georgia, whether you hear uh, over this way here in Bullock County or Emanuel County, Clay County or by Alabama, everybody needs uh, Medicaid or insurance. So I just don't understand why he is so opposed to giving citizens something that it would help them and, and as well as improve our lives, you know? So I don't understand that. You want to make a point there? Uh, I'm going to make a point before I go to a break that we're going to introduce yeah. another candidate. One, one of the problems, though, uh, the, the federal money, Medicaid and Medicare, CMS has a 35-mile rule. It has a 35-mile rule, which means you, they First of all, for the folk who don't know, what's CMS? 
It's called a com community service rolling out. I can't think of the actual name, but they had the last hearing in August. What CMS is a, is, a, is the under Department of Services. Right. Got it. Go ahead. And they had a 35-mile ruling because in 23 they're supposed to put up a bunch of money just for rural communities. Okay, we say 35-mile rule. What does that mean? 35-mile rule means you can't put a hospital within 35 miles of another hospital. That's road miles. In rural Georgia, rural hospitals closed. They couldn't stay open. They, they right. didn't have the funding to stay open. So. Senator Warnock and Ossoff, I asked them to, to weigh in on it because rural judges, folks can't afford the gas or they got to pay somebody to, to take them to Dublin or some other place to a hospital. And one of the problems is that you take Hancock County, for instance. When I became the senator there, a young lady that was a retired nurse came back from D.C. to Hancock, brought me the, the statistics that said that 70% of the folks who had a stroke or a heart attack died. And, and, and so I started trying to change the dynamics with rural legislators because y'all are the ones who had been representing rural Georgia all this time and y'all hadn't done anything about it. So we've been trying to do something with that. But on the Medicaid expansion, the governor at this particular time went through the legislature because the governor could accept Medicaid expansion or not accept it, took it to the legislature and now the governor can't do it. The legislature has to do it. Wow. And no one give, gave a damn about those 70% the folks who had strokes and heart attacks and them dying. And if you got to drive 35, 40 miles, the cost of gas and all different things associated with that, take it, nearly taking the day off, all of those things that go with it, just trying to get some health care. Hold tight one second. I'm going to go to a break. We come back. We're going to introduce uh, another candidate uh, who's here, hear from them. They're going to talk about uh, other issues that people care about. Obviously, I'm sure education is one of those issues. Economic development is another one of those issues. So we'll get to that when we come back. Short break. You're watching Roller Martin Unfiltered from the Black Star Network, broadcasting live from Swains, Borough, Georgia. Back in a moment. When we invest in ourselves, our glow, our vision, our vibe, we all shine. Together, we are black beyond measure. Black Star Network is here. A real uh, revolutionary right now. Wow. Support this man, Black Media. He makes sure that our stories are told. I thank you for being the voice of Black America, Rolling. Hey, I love y'all. All momentum we have now, we have to keep this going. The video looks phenomenal. See, this difference between Black Star Network and Black-owned media and something like CNN. You can't be Black-owned media and be skate. It's time to be smart. Bring your eyeballs home. You dig? Hi, my name is Latoya Luckett. Yo, it's your man Dion Cole from Blackish, and you watch Roland Martin Unfiltered. Stay woke. Bye. Swainsboro, we are very pleased to have Miss Nikki. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Hey, everyone, this is Molly and Matt, and we're the hosts of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult, a podcast from Ruby Studio and iHeart Podcasts. It's a show dedicated to helping you figure out the trickiest parts of adulting. Like how to start planning for retirement, creating a healthy skincare routine, understanding when and how much to tip someone, and so much more. Here's a clip from an upcoming episode featuring the weekly home checks, Keyshawn Lane, that you won't want to miss a common mistake that a lot of people do. They use fabric softener when it's not so great for your clothes. Should we never be using fabric softener? No, you should not ever be using fabric softener. It leaves a deposit on our clothes, which is also left in the machine. And it also makes the clothes highly flammable. Wait, what? (laughs) Yes. What you want to do instead is just use a quarter cup of vinegar. And that'll make them softer? That'll make them softer. And if you wanted some kind of scent, you can use essential oils. Wow, wow, wow. Catch new episodes of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult every other Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Grown Up Stuff. It's the Breakfast Club, the world's most dangerous morning show. Hey! Angela E is kind of like the big sister that always pokes you in the forehead. That's not how it goes? That's not how anything goes. Yemi's really like a robot. One of the best DJs ever. Believe that. Charlamagne is the wild card. And I'm about to give somebody the credit they deserve for being stupid. I know, that's right. (laughs) What is wrong with you? Listen to The Breakfast Club weekday mornings from 6 to 10 on 1067 The Beat. Columbus is real hip-hop and R&B. Peter Hemingway with us this evening. She is also a candidate for statewide office. She is running for the Office of Agricultural Commissioner. Welcome. Come on out. Good evening. It is a pleasure to be here with each and every one of you today. Um, It has been a very long journey, but the most important thing is I knew that my evening had to end here with you. My name is Nikita Hemingway. I am a fifth generation farmer, an entrepreneur, licensed realtor, former corporate executive, wife, mother, 
and the Democratic nominee for Commissioner of Agriculture. And when I win my race, see, y'all got it, but the other stopped it. I will be the first African-American and the second woman elected to this position in our nation's history. My political journey began four years ago when a local county commissioner stood on my farm and told me I would be better off selling my land to Quick Trip than getting him to remove his restrictions. So when I made the decision to run for public office, it wasn't because I wanted to be a politician, it was because I understood the equity in agriculture problem and I was the most qualified person to solve it. It is our lived experiences that are almost always aligned with our purpose. My grandparents were rice farmers off of the coast of the Savannah River. And for more than 100 years, my family owned 360 acres, and now we own none of it. My grandmother would tell my siblings, cousins, and I how she would sit on her grandparents' porch and watch ships sail out to sea. My journey into adulthood wasn't easy. I was a single mother of two long before I was a married mother of four. And like many African Americans, I knew that in order for me to be the success I dreamt of, my pathway would be through entrepreneurship. So by day, I worked in corporate America. By night, I built my businesses. And I am happy to report that I achieved everything I set out to do as Nikita Tyson long before I became Nikita Hemingway. Before we are able to shatter glass ceilings, we must first shatter perceptions about who is qualified and who isn't. It's not enough to understand that rising food costs are hurting families when you have a mother on the ballot with a plan to end childhood hunger and lower your grocery bill, so go vote. It's not enough to understand that there is no equity in agriculture for small family farms, women, and minorities when you have a black female farmer on the ballot, so go vote. When we say we are fighting for diversity, equity, and inclusion, we must also consider diversity of thought, lived experiences, and leadership. I cannot stress enough to you how much is on the ballot this election cycle. Because if you don't put a check mark by my name, what you're saying is my opponent, who happens to be a seventh generation farmer, a five-term elected state senator who was in January, who was in Washington, D.C. on January 5th and January 6th is the person we need representing you. What you're also saying is that this senator who supported Texas lawsuit against our election results, you're saying that you're okay with them taking away your voting power. 
And what you're also saying is that this senator who used a black farmer who partnered with a black farmer to abuse government grants and then left this man penniless, what you're saying is he's better, he's who you want representing you. So it's more than about showing up to vote. It is about the next four years, the generation after you, the generation after them. So make a plan to vote. Please vote early. Election day starts, in my opinion, October 17th. And if you have trouble getting there, then make sure that November 8th is the absolute day that you get in line. Thank you. Thanks a bunch. All right, folks. Uh, let's uh, let's now talk about. I want I want to go to an issue. It's been talked about in the state, around the country. I got a poor brother sitting up here, so let's go right to it. This idea that black men uh, are afraid to support Stacey Abrams, that black men are disenchanted, uh, they don't like what Democrats are doing. What are you hearing? Conversations that you're having, what are you hearing specifically from black men in Georgia during this election cycle? Uh, I'm surprised, actually, to hear you say that, particularly in our areas, we're having the opposite conversation. And if you follow Stacey Abrams and her platforms, you know specifically that she speaks directly to uh, reinventing or developing uh, African-American males. And so the men in our community benefit greatly from the great work that she's establishing for our communities. And, and, and frankly, I'm not really seeing that conversation. We're seeing the other side of it, which I'm grateful for, but I'm disappointed in, in, in what I might be hearing from others around the state about what that conversation might look like. Well, I can tell you, it's a jealousy thing. It's a jealousy thing that those who have been out and worked in the community and, and, and have been successful are basically saying, well, you need to come to see us before you get our support. Uh, I have a problem with it. Uh, I served with Stacey. I thought she was smart, intelligent. And she can handle herself on the Georgia House of Representatives floor. And that's dealing with the speaker or anybody else who might oppose her when she was discussing a, a bill. But not only did she get out the legislature, what we found and what we saw is that she turned folks out. She went and fought the governor and the state of Georgia in court about the, the expulsion of black voters. Exact ideas, what, what they call it. In other words, that your signature don't look like it looked 20 years ago. Or your name might be David Lucas, and they had David E. And when they sent it back to you, they never would tell you what the problem was. All you had to do, if they told you what the problem was, all you had to do was say your name was David Lucas and not David E. Lucas. And so those kind of things uh, happened to us. And then, of course, I've had some conversations with some men who talk about the Bible and talk about the man is the head of the household. And I can't let no woman 
uh, be head of me. I say, well, you say you got a wife. Who, when things happen, who got your back? When, when you, when you go to work and the kids are sick, who's about the kid? And then, of and, they, course, and they might have a woman who's a boss at work. <laughs> they ain't gonna quit their job. No. And so, I say it's, I call it Negroid Jealousology, is what I call it. And, and, and that's, that's a new word, but it's jealousy. Women have been, black women have been the backbone of this country. They, they would fight when the husband couldn't fight. And, and so, and they worked in all our campaigns. They put the schedules together. They do the phone banking. They make sure the robocall, you, you get the robocall done, and then they turn around and take the, take the checkbook and pay for it. Make sure the bill is paid. You know, because one thing about these companies, if you can't pay for it, they're not going to do it on credit. And, and so she has exemplified a person who cares about a community. And she's talked about health care. And she's taken the conversation uh, to another level because now we, we just had a hospital in Atlanta closed, Wellstock. And uh, the, the gov this governor decided that he would put $130 million to see about the beds going over to Grady. Well, rural Georgia is altogether different. They don't have big corporations that can help uh, fund these hospitals. So what they need are clinics that are equipped and have doctors. And, and what we find out, uh, Olin, is a doctor in a community is worth a million dollars of economics. And when you start talking about bringing folks to a community about jobs and everything, the first thing, the guy who's head of that cooperation, well, he's going to look at what kind of health care I got for the folks who are going to be working for me because he's got to pay that, he's got to pay that insurance cost. And if, and if you don't have medical help within that community, his cost is going to be higher. So economics is a, is a very good part of that. And, you know, one of the things Senator Warnock did, I'm a diabetic. I take this. But I have uh, Medicare A. I don't have the rest of it because I pay, I pay for insurance with the state. But by capping that cost, no more than $35. And then, of course, he was involved with trying to cap the cost of out-of-pocket, what you pay when you go to the hospital and uh, get sick. Out-of-pocket, to cap, try to cap it at $2,000. That helps a whole lot of folks. And, and, and guess what? They don't look like me either. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not a conversation that I've, I've actually had. I mean, I know the conversation, but what I'm saying is I haven't not had a conversation with men saying they weren't responsible. And, 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 and let me set it up this way, and, and because this has actually been an issue for the last decade. Um, a lot of people kept saying that, oh, um, these men didn't want to vote for Hillary against Donald Trump. I said, first of all, if you go back to 2012, there was a nine-point gap between black men and black women nationally who voted Obama-Romney. 
Um, and then it went up to 13 points uh, in 2016. Um, it went up again in 2020. Uh, uh, one one uh, black poster um, said that the effect of an, in a bump in black males voting for Trump actually helped Republican candidates down the ballot, in case Tom Tillis in North Carolina. Uh, and so I've heard the dissatisfaction. I've heard uh, brothers say that they, that they they don't believe that they are they are getting a return on their investment. And there were there were brothers who were not happy with Obama, who felt that he did not do enough, which is why you get that gap. But the reality still is black me, black men are the second largest voting block for the entire Democratic Party. It's also part of this that the party, I have no problem saying it, led by largely white strategists, have refused to craft a black male-specific plan to answer that. Because anywhere else in politics, if you see a nine-point gap, and they go to 13, and they go to 17, you playing with fire. Anybody else would say, say, I think what they've done is, well, it's going to take care of itself. No, actually, it's not. And so there has to be a counter to the data because the data is not lying. The data is real. Now, in 18, so Georgia did have a gap between black, women, black men and black women, but the actual number of it was about 24,000 votes. Now, in a very close election, it can turn the election. Now, hold up. Hold up now. You said 24,000 votes. Correct. How many votes did Biden-Harris win the state by? 11,000. 11,000. Right. Now, that's an, I'm talking about an 18. No, 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 no. I understand states. that. Yeah, My point states. is Biden-Harris wins this state by 11,000 votes. Sherry Beasley in North Carolina lost her re-election for Chief Justice of the Supreme Court by 400 votes. Obama won North Carolina in 2008 by 14,100 votes. Those 24,000 votes can make the difference between winning and losing. Without a doubt. That's, that's not what I'm actually saying. What I'm saying is that the numbers don't show that there's this gigantic schism between black men and black women. That's my point. Now, yes, in a close election, it can make, definitely make the difference. So my point would be that's going to happen because no, no group is monolithic. So when we talk, we're not talking about 200,000. So if we're talking about 24,000, here becomes my question. How do I make up that 24,000 gap with more African-American men or those from other places, from other communities? That's, that's the, that, to me, is the question mm, that I've been facing. See, I'm going to push back on you. How do I make up that I'm, I'm, gap I'm, I'm, I'm with a, those I'm, men? I'm going to push back on you because here's the deal. If, if, if the numbers are trending up, I have to ask the question, why? And then when I ask the question, why, then there has to be a counter to how do I now? Because if, if those were folks who used to vote for you, you got a better shot of bringing them back into the fold than somebody who has never voted for you. Or has not. Or someone who's a new voter or maybe has not voted. But I think that the key thing is we, if we promote the fact that African-American men and African-American women have always worked together. And as you said, we're the second most loyal database. It works as a group. And that, that becomes my point. Our audience here is full of African-American men and African-American women, without a doubt. Now, do I want to find out maybe what spurred those 24,000? Yeah. But men, historically, beyond race, are a little bit more conservative anyway. But even with that 24,000, mm -hmm. my question might be, 
are those persons looking at from a standpoint of business development? Because, you know, we have a lot of hyper-capitalists out there, black men, who have all these different businesses. That may be one issue. Right, which means that the candidates should be... That's why why I said you have to ask the why, because if that's one of their issues, candidates have to address that issue, and they may go, oh... Oh, you have a plan for that? Now I can listen to, uh, as opposed to not listen to. And it may be one of crime because they're, because could be. areas around. So I think that's legitimate to ask into that. And I think that's good points. That's good questions. The, the part that I, disappoints, disappoints me, I guess, is if we just do a general, there's this great schism between black men and black women, and that does not exist. And historically it hasn't. And we can give stories. But one of the things I always point out to people is, if you ask someone whether it's white, Hispanic, et cetera, and of course there's, there's logistical reasons on some of those groups, African Americans have three women that stood out in the 70s and late 60s, Fannie Lee Hyman, Shirley Chisholm, Barbara Jordan. We've always supported black women. Oh, no, 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 hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. No, 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 1972, Shirley Chisholm, they had the Black Political Convention in Gary, Indiana. Why wasn't Shirley Chisholm at the Black Political Convention? Right. Because the black men did not support her run for president. But without a doubt, to actually have those women up there. I got you. Right. But the brothers didn't support her. But I'm just letting some, you know. Well, we know and I've talked to them. <laughs> some without a doubt did. And I think that we can get ourselves in, we can get ourselves in trouble because there's no, look, there's, some blacks didn't support Obama. I mean, very, very little. Oh, no, absolutely. So all I'm saying is we have to, what I'm saying is two things has to happen. We have to be having a conversation internally about, okay, what is your frustration? What do you seek? What do you desire? When I hear people, yeah, but when I hear people say, we want tangibles. First of all, I got to walk people through. In, no candidate can give you a tangible, first of all, when they're running. That's called a campaign promise. Two, they have to win. So if you don't vote, they don't win, you ain't getting no damn tangible. But third, even if they do win, that person solely can't give it to you because it still has to get passed. I, I, I really believe we, we, we need to have a schoolhouse rock 2.0 because there's a bunch of people clearly who have no clue how politics works. That's one. But two, the democratic apparatus largely led by white strategists, has to listen to black people and black elected officials and black pollsters who have been telling them there's a problem. They've been turning a blind eye and then not wanting to put the resources to create specific uh, strategies to reach them. And they go, well, they'll come around. And then when the election is over, then it's, well, the brothers didn't vote. Well, if you don't go after them, with resources, they ain't gonna sit here and vote for you. And last point, this new generation is less likely to self-identify as a Democrat. They might eventually end up voting that way, but they don't self-identify as a part of this thing as well. But we also have to be willing at the same time, not only to do the resources, and that's one piece of it, but we also have to be willing at the same time to actually talk about issues and not be afraid to actually say how that affect the African-American community. Yes, that becomes, oh, absolutely. That important. And I think that's where the Democrats may miss, where if you're going to talk about Medicaid expansion, and, and, and specifically Warnock, how and this impacts... Senator Warner and Stacey do a good job of this to talk about how it affects that community. I mean, I, I but I also challenge them to be specific to say white. Right. Like, literally go to white voters and say, hey, you white, 
this impacts you because what often happens is people have messaging that target us, target Latinos, target Asians, but won't actually have a white message. Guess what? You got to be real with white folks too. And I think we have to have that message to talk about when we economic development. If we're in rural Georgia, economic development, of course, is going to affect all, but certainly how are there any potential proposals or plans that we can specifically target towards African Americans and not be afraid to actually say that? That, I think, is also going to Absolutely. reach a lot of persons, too. And that's one of the key things that we're usually afraid of doing is we say, well, we can't do that openly because then we won't get elected. And that's not necessarily been my, my experience. I've been elected to office twice now, senator and also as a, as a solicitor. And solicitor is a prosecutor. And as a prosecutor, I talked about progressive prosecution. And now you see more people doing that. Yep. My experience really has been that if you're open and honest and say what you're going to do to really try to help folks, they are going to go to the polls to actually put you in. We allow our politicians many times off the hook when they say, well, I can't really get into how it will affect the African-American community, but once I get in there, I can do this. It doesn't work that way. It, it, if they're it, not doing the promise now, they won't do it later. And, and even though when you look at the actual data, again, we break our health data down by race. We break our economic down by race. I mean, it's just stop trying to run from it. You know, it is what it is. And to the footage of the focus you know, of my book, look, by 2043, this nation is going to be a nation majority people of color. Look, the average white annual death rate in about 12 states is higher than the annual white birth rate. It's called data. You're not going backwards. You can yell, make America great again all day if you want to. You can wear red hat, blue hat, yellow hat. We ain't going back to the 1950s. It's just, it's, it, it's just simply not happening. I, no, but, but I do want to shift this because I do want to get to what we're on us here. I do want to know... How is the immigration debate playing out in, in conversations you're hearing with people? Because that's also one way Republicans are making inroads because you do have, for even though 10% of the black population in the United States are black immigrants, that is a potent issue because you have a lot of African-Americans, especially brothers who say, man, they had taken our jobs. They are, in many ways, they're sounding like white men but again, when people even say that, they're taking our jobs, I'm sitting there going, yeah, but do you want to do a lot of those jobs? It's a whole different separate conversation. But, but the issue of immigration is a potent issue that works with a certain segment of our community, black men and black women. What are you hearing? How's the conversation going? How's that playing out uh, here? Go ahead. Well, I haven't heard that much about immigration amongst people that I've talked to, but you're right about that, because some of the, uh, the men, white and black, <clears throat> especially at my job, and uh, I work at um, um, Auburn Savannah at um, International Paper, and they tell me, they say, well, man, you know, we are watching news out, out there on our break and things like that, and I had one um, black guy tell me, he was like, man, if Biden don't do something about, about that border, I'm not going to have no job too long. And I said, what you mean by that, man? I said, you got a job? And I said, no, man, because they're, they're cheap. You don't got to pay them anything. They're, they're cheap labor. And he like, I like, yeah, but you don't have you need to cut me off. He said, man, Biden needs to build a wall. He needs to do something. He needs to um, do something about these people coming in. And see, me, I told him, I said, look, I hear what you're saying. And, and in my opinion, a wall is not going to solve the problem. Because they, they're going to find a way to get in. 
went through a tunnel underground or smuggled through an 18 wheel. So what he what he didn't do, what he didn't say, uh, how how uh, are elected officials holding companies accountable? See that's that that's the real that that is the real thing about this immigration debate that nobody wants to talk about, and the Chamber of Commerce don't want to talk about. It. They don't because the reality is when you talk about this notion of cheap labor, who hires cheap labor? And if, and if we really want to be honest, if we really want to be honest with ourselves, how many people who have been looking for somebody to either cut their grass or fix their roof were like, let me go look for cheap labor? See, and so it's the folk who are hiring individuals. See, I love it in this country where we talk about, hey, man, we want high-paying jobs, but then we also want cheap pair of jeans. See, and so I think that's all that's an issue we have to confront. But this is a potent issue because it is an economic one, and a person is saying that guy is saying, "I fear I'm losing my job," and that's a real thing. Go ahead. It, you know the problem about immigration is this: we don't do what we used to do. We didn't. We don't pick peaches, cotton, and the vegetables that come out the field. Those folks come in. The reason I talk about it, for 10 years I was in the bus business. I had a contract with the North Carolina Farmers Association. I used to go to Laredo, Texas. They have an agent down there. They got the green card and everything. And I used to bring them back to the United States. And all the out because of Virginia, North Carolina. And they were. They... If, if, they, if they didn't have them, they couldn't get, get, get the crop out, out the field. You know, but the other thing, Roland, that, that, that has hurt us, and, and I see it all the time with, with, with our young folks, it's about education. I've always talked about education and the ballot. Because if you can't read, how you know what you vote on unless somebody else told you how to vote. And part of, part of our problem is, it's just like you got a car, and it's got a rear view mirror in it. If you don't know where you come from, how you gonna know where you got to go? And so we, we, we got to teach our young folks that we got a history. Some of it's bad, and some of it's good, because a whole lot of us made something out of it and have gone on to, to better reward. Mm -hmm. But we've got to instill in our young folks, look, it's about the book and the ballot. You don't have to go to college. You can go, you can go to technical school, an aircraft mechanic, but, and but, go but, out on the right, but, but and I want, I'm glad, because I, I, I want to let you segue right into that, because having that educate, education conversation, what has happened in the last 30 years, really 40 years, we shifted into this whole deal of got to go to a four-year school, got to get that degree. The problem now is states no longer fund colleges at that level, so now the burden is shifting to the individual and the parent, and so now you got folks who literally are walking around with 120, 130, $150,000 worth of debt, and the jobs that they're getting, there's no way they can actually pay that back. 
I also think that what, from, from the education uh, side, and I know why it shifted, because in the early 70s, they were pushing black kids and Latino kids into trades in a technical school and away from four-year schools. And black parents were like, no, 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 we want our kids uh, to be doctors and lawyers. You, if you read uh, James D. Anderson's book, The Education of Blacks in the South, 1860-1935, same thing happened when Hampton started. They wanted them to keep farming. The parents said, no, we don't want our kids to be farmers. But what's happening now is we now have a job shortage of, of skill set. That's one. And we push for, and because we no longer make a lot of stuff, our economy has totally changed. Technology has totally changed it. And so it used to be you could actually be work at a grocery store. You could actually work at a bank. You could, you could be a teller. You could have a middle-class job, buy cars, send your kids to school. When the last time you've been to a bank? Don't have that many that. No, but the point is, technology is changing. I can take a picture of the check, click, yeah. click, okay. Right. I don't even, somebody told me I had to write a check. I was like, where in the hell is a check? I, I couldn't figure what the check was. So what is ha so I think what has to happen, which is, which is why I'm glad she was talking about education, I think politically we got to be pushing our political leaders to also redefine how we look at education because we know we, are, we have a skill set deficit today. Master plumbers, and I know folk, there's some pain out of here. You, 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 you ain't going to tell your friends my son's a plumber. You would rather say my son's a lawyer. But a master plumber makes six figures. That's right. So I think this also has to be a change of our view of, of, of the future jobs in terms of also education and how we're developing them and the resources going towards that. Go ahead. Now, Mr. Uh, Mark, one of the things... Now, Mr. That, Mark, my daddy, I'm rolling. Oh, <laughs> rolling. One of the things, uh, I ran for Board of Education here locally in Emanuel County, and part of my platform was to make sure that our students were workforce ready. We've got so many students that are graduating from high school. They're not going to the military. They're not going to college. But where are they going? Well, we've got a growing gang population uh, in, in our city, in our county. And because we're not preparing these kids for a workforce so that they're prepared, uh, when they graduate, okay, I'm not going anywhere, but I can get this job here making $30, $40 an hour. Uh, but we're not preparing them for it. Here's the second part to that, though. I was, they responded to me, many folks, and said, well, we do have a program in the county where folks can go and learn about different trades and, and, and have opportunities. Well, we have the information, but we don't have the access. Mm. So the issue is, while we may know that it's available, right. it's not ready accessible to the children that look like myself and you. So what we have to do then is to, as we work on our workforce readiness platform, hey, we're getting all these kids ready, we're getting, all them, getting them ready for what's, what they're going to see, we have to also give them access to the same opportunities right. that others are afforded. Are the candidates, though, are you hearing? Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If 
you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Hey everyone, this is Molly and Matt, and we're the hosts of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult, a podcast from Ruby Studio and iHeart Podcasts. It's a show dedicated to helping you figure out the trickiest parts of adulting. Like how to start planning for retirement, creating a healthy skincare routine, understanding when and how much to tip someone, and so much more. We're back with season two of the podcast, which means more opportunities to glow up and become a more responsible and better adult, one life lesson at a time. And let me just tell you, this show is just as much for us as it is for you. So let's figure this stuff out together. This season, we're going to talk about whether or not we're financially and emotionally ready for dog ownership. We're going to figure out the benefits of a high-yield savings account. And what exactly are the duties of being a member of the wedding party? All that plus so much more. Let's learn about all of it and then some. Listen to Grown Up Stuff How to Adult on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Grown Up Stuff. Talk about that. Are you hearing it? I've heard anything from him, anyone. Now, now. It's on. Yeah. Just talk right into it. Talk right. into it. Now, um, Charlie Bailey, running for um, lieutenant governor, uh, I talked with him last week, and he brought that up about trades, about pushing more of our young people into, into, into the um, trade field. And see, me, I, I told myself, from my experience, I went to a trade school. At first, I wouldn't go to, to a college. I wouldn't go to Columbia State and, and Alabama A&M. But I went to South Georgia Tech. I, uh, I majored in welding, technology. I also took an aircraft structural technology. I got two degrees from there. Blueprint, re- blueprint reading, I got a degree in that as well. I made the, and, um, a diploma in that as well. The jobs that I've had in the past, I've done multiple jobs there because, as you said, there's a work shortage. She said, hey, Keith, um, Keith, you got the Fort Lift? Yeah, okay. Although I'm a welder, I was a certified welder at the time. I could weld, but I had to do other things because we could not attract people to come in and go to work. And then when we did have people come in and go to work, they would lose their jobs because if they have an accident on the job, take a drug test, you're out the door. And to me, I hate to change the subject, I think now's the time for Georgia to legalize marijuana. Because that's a lot of guys, when you say about black men, young black men, the majority of them that I know, that I've talked with, but I bring that up, oh yeah, you do that, I'll go vote tomorrow. That's what they say. That's what they say. 
And I'm like, I'm like, what about, what, what about, what about, uh, what about, um, jobs or cash? No, 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 no. You legalize marijuana, I vote tomorrow. That's what they say. And they, they for real. So, so I'm like, okay, then that's an issue, but no one so far, I've not heard anyone on the trail mention that about legalization of marijuana. If, if, now, if Stacey was come out tomorrow and say that, she probably get 52, 53% of the vote. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I, I, I Go ahead. Say, I would say on the top of the ticket. I said the whole ticket, really, you were asked by candidates saying that. I think that you have well, Senator Warnock or, or Stacey Abrams, two of the most progressive candidates we've ever seen in Georgia as far as really articulating issues that's going to affect middle class folks and especially even African Americans. But I also want to go back to one of the issues you talked about, about the immigration. So the, the conversation, of course, is real in this sense because when African Americans are so below so many metrics, it becomes disheartening if they start seeing other groups come in and, and take their place, so to speak, in their mind. So you have to understand that part. So then the question becomes, now how did I do, deal with that from a policy standpoint? One of the great things right here, talking about rural areas, let's look at it from a policy standpoint from Georgia. Hemp, as you know, is now legal. Not marijuana yet, but hemp now is legal. But we've actually hemp limited. is the cousin of marijuana. There you go. Can't get high off of it. So, but we've actually limited the number of licenses that can go out. Now, I don't. You don't have persons necessarily who are not from, you know, United States getting these licenses. But here's the point. Here you have all these persons who have been incarcerated, even here. Now they may not be farmers as such, but they're in Swainsboro. They've been incarcerated. Hemp licenses now go out. None of those licenses are going to African-Americans or African-American farmers. Certainly that's going to be something that you will look at and say, we're still going backwards. Every single because method that when, we because have. Because even, even the marijuana side, because like in California, if you had a conviction, you couldn't get a dispensary. Right. And so even the things that we were prosecuted for, we're still not able to get a leg up. So you can see. Prosecuted for marijuana. But I can't get a dispensary license for marijuana. Dispensary license for it. It's the same weed. Same weed. And you can see how that would affect persons. So therefore, from a policy standpoint, we need to open up hemp licenses. I know, and I know that Senator Warnock and both states are talking mm. about helping black farmers without a doubt. And I also know that that license should be opened up. That's a policy issue. Right. But here's number two. Not only should we get, get more licenses, we also should say that those licenses should go to African-American farmers. Those are real policy things that we can actually try to push. Even if we don't get it through, we got to at least talk about it. Got that it. helps on that immigration kind of conversation. And when you were talking about marijuana, if you're legalizing it and you don't have some type of equity program, you ought to be ashamed of yourself if that's what you're going to do. Absolutely. Got about three or four minutes left. Uh, I want each of you to speak to this here. There's somebody, maybe sitting in this audience, and maybe somebody who's watching, there's somebody who's in this community, and they're like, okay, this is all great and wonderful, that all sounds nice, that's cute, uh, but I just simply do not believe that my vote matters. Um, going down the line, what, will you, what, what would you say to that person? If you had 30 seconds to look them in the eye, what would you say to them as to what, why? They should vote early beginning October 17th, or they should go to those polls on Election Day in the first uh, Tuesday of November. What would you tell that person? The history of our country is no secret. And if you do not seize the opportunity to vote today, you are most certain to relive the world that we knew yesterday. Okay.
hard to tell them, Roland, but <laughs> if you don't vote, you don't count. Well, what I'll say is think about your future or your child's future. Because I got a two-year-old. I got a 13-year-old out there in the audience. What's happened, what what happened in November is going to affect them four or eight or 12 years down the road. Mm -hmm. Don't never say your vote don't doesn't count. Because I'm going to tell you right now, because a lot of people out here who don't vote, and then when things don't go their way, then they're like, they're complaining all the time. Well, they ain't doing nothing for me. What did you vote? Uh, no, I didn't vote. So that's why I tell them, God, God, and vote. Your, your vote, your vote matters. Absolutely. Um, if persons didn't think the vote mattered, then Georgia would be creating uh, bills like SB 202 to make sure you don't have the opportunity to vote. And secondly, when you talk about something that happened today with uh, President Biden pardoning persons on marijuana, whether it's talking about school debt, that came about from voting. Some of the negative that we talked about today, the lack of Medicaid expansion, that lack of it comes about through voting. So your vote actually does matter. So you see it from a positive standpoint, you see it immediately from a negative standpoint. Absolutely is there. The connections are there. How your vote does matter. So I'll say this here. Um, uh, if you tell somebody about our history, they're not listening. They're not. Um, I think you have to ask that person, what's the one thing you care about? doesn't matter what the issue is. And then you have to connect that one thing they care about to the people who can actually change it. So what happens, so, so we literally have to do voter education. I can't tell you how many people I deal with in my business every single day who literally think that stuff just happens and this has no bearing on it. 2016, I had a young woman from North Carolina call my radio show, and she said, um, I don't like Hillary Clinton. I can't stand Trump. I'm just going to focus on my state issues. She don't, no, she's an activist. I then asked her, all right, what are the three things you're working on? She told me. I, every, all three things she said also were connected to who was president and then who was a U.S. senator. And then who's member? So she thought that these were just isolated state issues, not realizing that was a direct bearing on who's in the White House, who's in Congress. And so we actually have to do that. We actually have to take the time to walk folk through. And then after we do that, we also have to then ensure that if they do register, how do they get then get to the polls? And so a lot of times we we expend so much energy on talking to people about voting, but then we're not making sure they're registered. Then after they're registered, then making sure they actually vote. Last point I'll make is this here. Your mission should be however your vote works here, whatever your precinct is, those are public numbers. You could go look up how many people voted in this precinct, how many people voted in this location in the last election. It'll show you how many people in the area are registered? So if you see that 122 people voted and 1,100 are registered, that's 1,000 people you should be going trying to touch because literally 
your sole area can change the election. I told you Sherry Beasley, yes, she's running for the United States Senator right now, but she lost by 400 votes. 2020, the Virginia legislature was decided by a corn flip because the candidates tied in the vote. And when they flipped the coin, that's to determine whether Democrats control the legislature or Republicans control the legislature. A coin flip. So imagine the people who never voted. And so we must take that time. That's why on my show, we try to teach as much as we can, walking people through what public policy is, how it's being impacted. And so take the time. Don't get frustrated with somebody because the reality is not everybody lives and breathes this stuff. But you got to connect what they care about with the folk who are in office. you got to show them how, if the people who are in office aren't doing it, you got to take them out and put the folks in who can do it. Thank you so much uh, for coming to Swainsboro, Georgia. When they first told me about it, I said, Roland Martin's going to be in Swainsboro? Really? In person? <laughs> so we really just appreciate you for coming to Emanuel County. We appreciate these wonderful panelists. Didn't they do a great job, y'all? I've got one piece of housekeeping that I need to take care of. I understand that there are at least two elected officials in the audience that we want to ask to stand and be recognized. I believe they are Mr. John Parker, who is on the Swainsboro City Council. And we have uh, Mayor Pro Tem Bobby Collins, who is also with Swainsboro City Council. Thank you all. Thank you all for your role in making Swainsboro what it is and what you hope it to be in the future. Um, there are two more people um, I need to introduce. This will be my last time at the mic, but I need to introduce Ms. Barbara Carlisle. I understand that she's going to give us a little entertainment before we close. And as well, uh, we will have a closing prayer by Dr. Merrill Bell. Thank you all so much for allowing me to come to Swainsboro today. Good evening. No, that's not everybody. Good evening. Good evening. I thought some more people would be here, but it's like we're having a Halloween party. People came dressed as chairs. What y'all needed to do was to get on y'all phones, go to Facebook, go to TikTok, go to wherever you had to go and tell people that right now in Swainsboro, Georgia, they're giving out the PPP loan. I bet the line will be from here to Walmart. And I don't mean the one here in Swainsboro, I mean the one in Statesboro. And y'all know, y'all know, that's what the people wanted to do. If, 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 if we were talking about the PPP loan, people would be here. You know, because anybody that thought they had a business, they came out. People selling eyelashes. <laughs> Done got a LLC. <laughs> LLC stand for look like cash. Twenty thousand dollars and you selling eyelashes. <laughs> it's crazy. But if I had to tell you something today, the one thing that I want you to do is go back and tell somebody that knows somebody that got a car or a truck or a SUV that can take people to the polls and let them vote. 
I must admit, I'm 64 years old, and politics didn't matter to me the first 30, 40 years of my life. Okay, I'm going to be honest, the first 55 years of my life. <laughs> but then I started to see that we were losing out on a lot of things down here in Emanuel County. I had moved to New York, and I came back, and I went back again, and then COVID said, come back and sit down for a little while. So... I came back and I sat down for a little while and I didn't like what I saw. So it's up to us to get out and, and push this. Let people know your vote will count. It will count. Do what you got to do. You know, you, you got to get out there and do, just do the groundwork. And the elected officials will hopefully do what they need to do to get us out of this rut, because that's exactly what we are in. We are in a rut. So don't worry about the PPP loans. Don't worry about the little girl selling eyelashes. Don't worry about anything. Just worry about the fact that we can come up if you're willing to come up. Thank you. Thank you, Carola Martin, teaching us and talking to us on this wonderful night, talking to us to a language not that we know, but a language that we understand to help redirect our mindset. Thank you. Give my hand clap, y'all. Precious Father God, we thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you again for the loving kindness. Thank you for what we have, to, have seen here tonight. We ask you to continue to bless this man as he go forth. Tell us and teaching us about the way we need and, and learn how to do things. Lord, we ask you to cover him as he go. Guide him and be a lamp unto his feet. But most of all, bless everyone that's under the sound of my voice. We thank you in advance of what you was about to do. And we claim victory in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen. All right, to all the folks who are watching, thanks a bunch. We'll see you all tomorrow from Houston, Texas, where we'll be with Black Voters Matter from the campus of Texas Southern University. So H-Town, uh, y'all show up and show out. Uh, and uh, I'll be happy to be going back to Third Ward because, you know, my high school, Jack Yates, is right across the street. Uh, don't forget, download the Black Star Network app, Apple phone, Android phone, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Xbox One, Samsung Smart TV. Support us in what we do by joining our Brina Funk fan club. Uh, check your money orders to P.O. Box 5719. Washington, D.C., 20037-0196. Of course, Cash App is dollar sign RM Unfiltered. PayPal R. Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zell is rolling at rollingsmartin.com. Rolling at rollingmartinunfiltered.com. Uh, thanks to the folks here in Swainsboro. Thank you so very much. Thank you to the Warnock campaign. Uh, and y'all know how we always end the show. I'll see y'all tomorrow. Holla! This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Check the back seat. Check the back seat. I got.
Come here. Check the back seat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the back seat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Hey everyone, this is Molly and Matt, and we're the hosts of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult, a podcast from Ruby Studio and iHeart Podcasts. It's a show dedicated to helping you figure out the trickiest parts of adulting. Like how to start planning for retirement, creating a healthy skincare routine, understanding when and how much to tip someone, and so much more. Let's learn about all of it and then some. Listen to Grown Up Stuff How to Adult on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Grown Up Stuff. Grown Up Stuff. 